uh, puberty, middle school, and mental health is like the perfect storm of shit. Hey everyone, welcome to Wake Dad, Drink, Repeat, the podcast for today's dad. I'm your host, Anthony Palmer. As always, thank you guys so much for tuning into the podcast this week. Before we get into my conversation with J.B. Hager, I wanted to take a second and talk a little bit about this episode. We get into some very personal and pretty deep shit about the world of mental health in this episode, specifically about our daughters and their journey in the mental health space. This is quite a long episode, but I felt it was important to just let the conversation flow as what we talked about is really important. To be honest with you guys, I don't know that I ever thought I would give this much of a look into the journey my family has been on with our daughter, but it was very comforting to me as a parent to hear JB's story. As overwhelming and scary as it is at times to know that even when things seem so scary and so dark, that there can still be so much hope and so many wonderful opportunities ahead for our kids. It really meant a lot to me to hear his story and to be able to share it with all of you. I don't know if she'll ever listen to this, but I would like to dedicate this episode to my daughter, Anderson. I love you, kiddo, and I'm so proud of you and will always be here for you no matter what. To all of you listening, if you're ever experiencing these types of challenges and struggles in your life, please know that talking to people about it really does help. Whether that is a professional, a family member, or a friend, knowing you have a support network of your own is so important. You'll hear JB and me talk about this a lot in this episode. If anyone out there is ever needing someone to talk to, I'm always happy to share my experiences on this journey and to lend an ear. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Please take a second to rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts and be sure to follow us on social media. If you have questions or comments about the show, feel free to shoot me an email at todaysdad at wakedeaddrinkrepeat.com. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this. It's a really important conversation between JB and myself. I hope you guys enjoy it. We're joined today by Dad One. He's the co-host and producer of The Move and JB Two with We Do Sports and Lance Armstrong. And the dude that has made me want to get an Airstream, Mr. JB Hager. (laughs) JB, thanks for joining the pod, man. Yeah, get more toys. (laughs) Dude, I, um, I, I don't think I quite realized that you used to do, ah, what was it called? What was your like concert on air streaming that on you used to streaming? actually do that out of the airstream? I had that, bands performing in my airstream. Yeah, yeah. I, we're 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 toying with bringing it back. It still kind of lives online on airstreaming.com. But yeah, yeah. yeah. I was real- watching the Apache Ray one this morning and oh, was like, yeah. this is fantastic. Why have I not known about this? Apache, <laughs> I, yeah, I think they're from down your way, yeah. Yeah, Apache I think relay. so. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, or relay, yeah, excuse me. Yeah. Um yeah, I think they're a Tennessee. Tennessee man. Yeah. Um, So, well, man, thanks for joining me. I'm super stoked to have you on the pod. Well, hey, for those who are listening and not watching, which is most of you, we we uh, obviously are kindred spirits as we show up in the same hat. Yeah, absolutely, (laughs) absolutely. It it wasn't. I wasn't trying to like you know get like brown nose points here either. I just it's just the hat that I had on today. (laughs) Yeah, the uh, the forward never straight hat, which is a good message for people, right? It is. It is. One of the few like commercial symbols that I have multiple times thought about getting tattooed on my body because I just the premise of a simple arrow with a little kink in it is just it's beautiful, man. I love it. For those who don't know what that is, um, you know, as you mentioned, I work with Lance Armstrong in the the podcast that he was doing before I got involved with the cycling podcast. It's called The Forward. And you know, everyone knows Lance's story, right? Yeah. <laughs> now that, you know, when it fell apart and then he went 
quiet for several years, three or four years, and then launched his re-engagement with society, basically, was the Forward Podcast. And this branding, I just loved. It's like you have to decide if you're going to move forward or, or die, right? Yeah. And so it's a crooked arrow, forward, yeah. never straight. You know, you just got to move on, but it's never a straight line, which well, is important, it, I think, it, uh, especially for this podcast, right? It's never it a straight line. No, father. it's never a straight line, man. It's never <laughs> a straight line. And it's the 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 beauty is in figuring the beauty's in the kink of the arrow, right? It's in that journey back to whatever the path is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I really, I really do. I love, I, I love the symbol. I have it on, I have, I, I've been a, I've been a, a member of, of, you know, team we do since you guys started the, the membership thing a couple of years ago. So I've got plenty of stickers lying around the house, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm and I say that in a good way, but I've got, I've got that forward, never straight arrow on, most of my journals and in the, you know, on the back of the car and it's yeah. on the top tube of my road bike. Cause I just, I do, man, I, I think it's a great, it's got, there's a lot of purpose in that little symbol. So um, it's a cool, it's cool to come full circle and have you on the pod and get to talk about all this a little bit with you, man. But yeah. Um, so I, I have to give props to um, JT Frank, who we had on an earlier episode from consequence of habits. Cause I, I heard your episode with him and um you know, kind of got a two for that day. I reached out to both you and JT and both you guys on the same day were like, yeah, we'll come on the pod. So it worked, yeah. it worked out great for me, but, um, I sort of, de- I derailed his podcast, which, he, <laughs> you know, he's a cycling fanatic and a good dude. And I just, I hijacked it with mental health, but, uh, that, that is such an important thing about what we do with our life, man. I mean, that's, yeah. we, we talk about it a lot on this show and, um, I highly encourage people to listen to that episode that you did with JT because it um, there's a lot of great nuggets in there. And and as I was sharing with you before we started recording, one of the reasons I really wanted to have you on was your your journey with your uh, your daughter Riley and her in her 19 years. And um, it there was a lot of um, I drew a lot of correlations from what I was hearing you talk about to a lot of the journeys of the the ups and downs that my wife and I have had with our daughter, Anderson. Um, and that, that walk as parents, um, parenting with children who have, um, I, you know, for lack of a better term, special needs when it comes to their emotions, to their, uh, mental health. And, um, it's not easy, man. It's a, it is. And I think we don't hear dads talk about it a lot. Uh, especially so having spent a lot of time on this show talking about mine and my wife's journey with miscarriages and infertility. And another thing that I don't feel like you hear dudes uh, talk we, about a lot. Yeah. We went through infertility. It was a, she was a miracle child to to have. So yeah, I get that too. Well, I mean, that's where our son Oliver, who's three, I mean, we were, that's basically where we are with him. Um, so to, <laughs> to have walked both ends of that spectrum with you, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to just, truthfully as a therapy session sitting here with a 10 year old and you having a 19 year old seeing somebody kind of get through the struggles and have this healthy relationship and a a kid that's striving and whatnot it um i'm really honored to have you on and and share some of these stories with you sam thank you no yeah no problem and i'm i'm happy to share what i can and my my wife and i do it a lot which uh most don't Um, mothers or fathers when it's mental health related 
So, you know, anything to, to lift the stigma and, uh, you know, oddly enough, I work with Lance and he, he broke that barrier of talking about testicular cancer. And so I think the, yeah, for men, right. And so the, the, the timing is good for, um, you know, moms and especially dads to be talking about mental health, you know, whether it's personal, uh, or, or their children, um, cause it's, it's not an easy thing to talk about. No, it's not. So I, I guess maybe to bring the, the listeners up to speed, do you want to give just kind of a little bit of your guys journey through everything that you've gone through with your daughter? Yeah, I'll give you like the, I'll give you the quick version and then you can dig deeper sure. where you want. Right. So, um, you know, so, uh, our, our, our daughter Raleigh was, she was a challenge right out of the gate. She was, uh, like you said, infertility, we were told we couldn't have kids and, and, uh, went through everything. And, and, uh, and then she was, we had given up. We were like, okay, this isn't meant to be, let's take a break. And a surgery my wife had probably had an effect on that. Yeah. And, and then she got, she got pregnant and, uh, and then Raleigh was a healthy pregnancy and then an emergency C-section on True. the day, the day prior to due date, uh, and so, again, her first day one was scary. Yeah, right? came in with a bang, right? <laughs> and if hey, and if you've been to all the specialists that we've been to over a seven eight year period, that's that stuff matters, right? Yeah. How, how was the pregnancy? How was the birth? All that stuff. Um, and then she was just a handful. She was colicky for nine months. Just Whew. start start crying at nine p.m. and cry till five a.m. And just, it, I mean, it was just brutal. And, uh, and then just, just, I mean, then just for the most part, a normal childhood, a quirky kid, you know, yeah. you and I, you and I talked before we went live, you know, you can, you can spot it early, even in preschool and kindergarten, you just social cues and just something was just a little off, but okay. It was all okay. And then, yeah. um, and it's funny too when I go back to the the, the colicky thing because it adds to the story. Uh, she was completely restless all the time, like never relaxed. And and if, normally with children, especially infants, you're like checking their breathing. You're like yeah, holding your finger <laughs> up under their nose to make sure they're breathing. All you had to do is look at Raleigh for a second, and her eyes were moving, and she was twerking and and just busy. All the time, all the time. And so a real pivotal moment was when she was six, maybe maybe five, but I think it was six. And we took her to Legoland in Carlsbad for a little family trip. And and I was like, hey, do you want to get a surf lesson? That might be kind of cool. And she was like, yeah, sure. So we go and we get like a two-hour surf lesson. And this hyperactive, spastic, restless kid after her two hour lesson is just laying on the beach, like literally spread out hands behind her head, just soaking it up and so relaxed. And she dozed off for a while and was kind of in and out. And then she woke up and she was, she, she looked at us and she was like, dad, this is what I want to do. I'm like, what do you mean? That's cool, man. I want, I want to surf. And so I looked at her and I go, we got a problem. 
we live in yeah. the middle of yeah. Texas. For, I was gonna say, for those who don't know, you're you're a little <laughs> landlocked in Texas, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're four and a half hours from the Gulf Coast, and uh, those of you who have not been to the Redneck Riviera, uh, it's it's uh, it's a little little washy and brutal. But um, anyway, so I, I leaned into it. And I, I bought a couple long boards for us. And, and that's when I bought an Airstream so that we could just shoot down to the coast on a whim without any plans. Yeah. And, uh, and we did that for uh, a couple of years. We were doing it all the time, whenever we could. And I would just literally stand up there and push her into a wave like for hours, and hours and hours. And uh, that was our thing. And, and so I was like, all right, how do I, how do I feed this monster when we're home? And, and especially living in, in Austin where it can easily be 105 degrees all yeah. summer. And I worked on the radio. So I was home by noon and I've got a kid there bouncing off the walls. What I do. So I <laughs> bought a boat and, uh, and a wakeboard for her just to keep her busy. we lived about half a mile from Lake Austin and, and, uh, it's so, she started taking her ocean boards and putting them behind the bow. We didn't know that wake surfing was a big thing and becoming a big thing. And she just, I was going to say, cause this it. was what, like 15 this, years this, ago or this would have been like, yeah, two, it would have been about 11 years ago. Okay. Cause I mean, really and, wake surfing wasn't super what, hot then. Right. Not like it is today. It was yeah. really on the rise. And, uh, and so she would do that and, and on one of her little ocean boards. And then we started getting her wakeboards and some coaching and she just was in love with it. I couldn't get her out of the water. I mean, I could not six days a week. She'd ride for three, four hours a day. It was incredible. And, uh, and then she started competing. She did like a local grassroots comp and, and got second in the open category. And just her progression was just like, hockey stick progression right and uh and she got really really good and this coach we had here was like you you should put her in the pro category and we hadn't traveled to compete and then so she's uh 10 years old 10 years old and we're showing up at these events she's way too good for amateur like way way too good she would just crush them but she was new to pro and at 10 years old there was all this pushback like you can't put her in pro. And I'm like, yeah, well, we'll see. Right. <laughs> we'll see. We got all this weird pushback from the promoters until they saw her ride. And then, you know, she podiumed her very first pro event at age 10. Went Can on ask to just a yeah. like total sidebar question on that, because I've been curious because you, in your, in your guest form, you know, you put that, that she's a, a two-time woman's pro wake surf world champion. Describe what that means. Like, because is it, is she competing against people from truly across the world or is it really yeah. more of a U.S.? No, like, what, what is that? No, that's a good <laughs> question. Uh, no, they're competing from people all over the world. And, um, and at the time, the, the current world champion was Swiss. So she goes through this first year and she podiums on all but one event. And that one event, she just bawled her eyes out all evening, not being on yeah. the podium. And she's getting these, she's leaving every city we go to with one of those big checks, like you see at golf tournaments, right? <laughs> and loved walking through the airport with a big check. Like, look at me. I got a big check. <laughs> and uh, 
and she just killed it. And then uh, we get to pro to world. She qualified for worlds and we were like, let's just, let's, let's just go for fun. Cause that's when the riders from all over the world are coming in. It's very right. big at the time. Uh, very big in uh, France, Germany. Um, where, who are all, where are all these other? So, I mean, it's got a lot from? of a vibe like an Iron Man, like Iron Man worlds or half Iron yeah, Worlds or whatever S- then, right? Switzerland, it's very okay. big. And um, and we we even had plans for the last day is to, is to go to some theme park or something. <laughs> and like, let's just go for fun. Why not? You qualified. You, you earned it. And she just was hitting her stride on on tricks at that moment. And, and I think because she was 10, the pressure didn't get to her, but it gets to the adults, the adult women. And she freaking won worlds, the kid won worlds. And, (laughs) and, and a lot of people were, and she won, I think she won eight grand that day. And, uh, and, you know, there was a weird vibe with it. People were like, ah, that was a fluke. Maybe she shouldn't have won. There was all this pushback. Like women are brutal. Yeah, dude. Brutal. The guys get out of the water if they lost and high five the guy who won. Like, dude, you deserve that. You know, you're amazing. The women hate you, <laughs> especially a 10 year old. I was going to say, won. especially yeah, somebody significantly younger than them that hasn't yeah. worked as long at it or. Yeah. But as far as the doubters go, she went on into the next season, went undefeated the whole season, won nationals, won worlds again. And uh, everyone pretty much shut up after that. And, uh, you know, and then again, I'll give you the short version. You can stop me and dig deeper where you want. So now she's, she's, uh, you know, she won at age 10 and 11. Now she's 12, still the reigning world champion. So it's not about, oh, I'm not the world champion anymore. Um, I'm having a hard time. She was on top. And that's when she gets into middle school, had hit puberty earlier than most of her friends. So you got this hormonal thing. You've got an emotional thing. Uh, there were a lot of dynamics happening here. Yeah. A lot of the quirky things we had picked up on um, social cues and stuff like that. And again, so you have this girl like sponsor all these cool sponsors and, and making money. And the second time she won worlds, the, the prize money was 12 grand. Not bad when you're 11, right? Good oh, day's dude. work, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so the boys think she's the shit. She's cool, right? Look at this. Sure. How cool is that? So the girls hate you. Yeah. Even more. Even more yeah. than middle school girls already hate each other, right? Middle middle school <laughs> middle school girls are gnarly and brutal and nasty and you get, you know, and th- you know, thank God we didn't have to grow up in the in a social media world like this. And it, and it just got uglier and uglier. And then the, uh, then she starts to doubt herself. The self-esteem gets shot. Um, she could, had a hard time keeping friends, girlfriends, especially. And um, it just downward spiraled to self-hate, self-harm. Um, the wheels came off. I mean, they just completely came off. And yeah. so then you go into a therapist and a family therapist and a psychiatrist. And, and they were like, this, this kid needs some relief. She's really depressed. And so you start the meds and 
you know, there's a lot so, of go ahead. I'm going to have you put a pin in the story just right there for a second, because I think that's an important like thing to hash on. At least for me, it is and was, and I don't know if you feel the same, but that's a hard thing as a parent. It's a hard thing to hear. And I don't mean this in an egotistical way by any means, but like to, to look at these kids that are supposed to just be like happy, loving, living out their like carefree kid years and have them talk about how they're depressed, how they... Yeah hate life, how they feel like they're a mistake, how they shouldn't exist, how, and, and understanding that a lot of that is them trying to come to terms with those words, those emotions, those feelings. So they're using whatever words that they are capable of using, but then to sit there with a therapist and hear them talk about how your kid is struggling and may actually be depressed or have or the, bipolar like, or bipolar right, or right. you know like for us you know we we deal with a lot of uh, anderson doesn't necessarily have any terms identified to her but we hear a lot of like mood disorder mood dysregulation mm-hmm. you know and it's it's really hard to stay in the moment right there and think through like okay tomorrow this it's real easy to run down the road of like holy shit what does that mean for your future like yeah. Are you going to ever be happy? Are you going to get married? Are you going to have kids? Are you going to live a somewhat normal life? Like that is a roller coaster that sucks. Yeah. No, really I, hard as a parent. I, I, I'll jump around a little bit here, but it, it, it was so severe that we were starting to accept the fact that we were going to lose her. If, if not, suicide than than drug use trying to find happiness trying to find some kind of peace we my wife when i heard you say that on jt's episode i was uh, literally i was driving into my neighborhood i know exactly where i was on the road listening to that episode hearing you say that and it it just imprinted on me man like it just it hurt hearing you say that and i think while i may not have had like that exact level of a fear of a thought about things with with my daughter i definitely i think losing is relative to wherever you are in life and like the thought of i had this wonderful relationship with my parents my family me my sister my parents are really close we've all had our struggles and ups and downs and whatever but like there's just no question of love affection those people always being there whatever. And I had this memory of this like happy childhood and yes, there were fights and this, that, and the other, but like, for the most part, you have this like positive looking back on your time. Mm -hmm. And I worry so much about that for my daughter, not because we're assholes and don't love her and are mean, but because she's super ADHD and we are constantly trying to help her with correcting through things and working with her on emotional stuff and having to talk about everything to the nth degree and it's like man what are you like what does this mean for our future like are we sitting around in 20 years having a glass of wine laughing about something that you did in fifth grade because i don't know that we are like i I, you know like i don't i don't know if we look back on this time of your life and are like right you know i mean it's and that's scary dude it's like i 
I'm not necessarily looking for you to fix my fear. I'm just, I'm no, just sharing. No, and it's, <laughs> it, it, it's, it, so I'm going to, I'm going to paint a picture for the scenario because, you know, maybe you have some dads out there with, you know, young kids and you know, like, what might this look like? And maybe I can help you avoid some of it. Um, this, the cycle, which I've, let me add to this, my, my daughter, who's doing very well now and, and yeah. can get to that later. She, a couple of years ago, did a four-part podcast for this sports show, and she told her whole story, the good, the bad, the ugly. Wow. And, and it's, it's a powerful listen, and maybe I can shoot you the link to that if, if you, you – Yeah, know, please do. We'll you, link it in the show notes. You put them in your, your show notes. But yeah. if anyone's struggling with their child, it's, there's some valuable stuff hearing it from the kid's pr- perspective. But since – the reason I bring that up, since she did that show a couple of years ago, we get reached out to at least once a month from somebody whose kids off the rails and they're desperate and they don't know what to do and they're freaking out. And you're, even though you are listening to professionals, even if you have financial resources, which we did until it all ran out, (laughs) you know, it just, it just doesn't fix it. And so this cycle, and I I tell them like, here's the cycle of what's going to happen. Your kid is struggling, boy or girl. And it's, it's growing in boys. It's out of control in girls. And so you try to get them help. You get a therapist, right? And then you find them a therapist and they're going to recommend a family therapist. And then you're, they're going to need, they can't prescribe meds. They're going to recommend a psychiatrist. So now your kid's going to three doctors, right? Yeah. And they all collaborate and they, they do what they can. But, the, the, you know, the, the world has just changed so much with the social media pressures. And I don't know if, all of the older, more established, and even the best at their profession are up to speed on what it's like for a modern child, right? And so anyway, this cycle, you go through this, and then they, they, they're all working with you, and then they prescribe meds. And then so you have a middle school girl going th- kid going through hormonal changes. The meds have these side effects that can do unbelievable things to them. You know, she, here she is. She's, she's still, she was trying to maintain the sport and and continued to do it for several more years. Um, But you know, one med, you instantly gain 20 pounds, which sucks if you're an eighth grade girl. Right. Right. And, and in a bikini on camera. Right. So that's one thing. And then the, the meds have make you irritable and angry. Yeah. They make the shit that you're trying to fix. Like, it's like, all right, well, that one piece is fixed, but now there's this that we're dealing with. I don't know if you guys went through this or not. And I know this is a questionable, it's not questionable, but I know that not every professional believes in the, um, uh, not efficacy, but the, the value of this. But with Anderson, we did this, it's like a, it's like a gene site testing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, 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 we did that. Did did you guys do that? So, yeah, I'll, for us, for whatever, I mean, it worked spot on for Anderson, which was really great because we did what we tried one medicine. It made her ballistic, like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. freaking Devil Rambo, child. like yeah. gonna rip everyone to pieces, yeah. so, which is good because it let us quickly get her off that medicine. And then her psychiatrist, who we love, um, was like, going by this, we're gonna skip this whole litany of shit. And we're going to try this. And that's a test that just to give people clarity, that's a test that helps 
and we didn't do that right away, helps uh, you determine how their body's going to react. to Metabolize the medicine. Yeah. 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 And it's not very helpful. It it is, but not everybody, not every um, psychiatrist or psychologist believes in it. And there is some, like, there's a lot of gray area in it and, and whatever, but it is very helpful as a, as you're sitting there, cause these meds are not cheap. Um, these appointments are not cheap and you're sitting there and it's like, okay, so I'm going to put my kid on something for two to four weeks and we're just going to see what happens. And hopefully yeah. they're not worth like, again, really hard thing to do as a parent trying to yeah. solve a problem. Like yeah, yeah, if you're playing yeah. Russian roulette. No, and there was there was a, a, a quite a while there where she she might have three mental health medical appointments in a day. Yeah, and so you know over the course of a few years, uh, I mean, literally at least half a million dollars up in smoke working on this. Um, and I was going through a career change, which you heard on James right, podcast. right, yeah. I was like, uh, you know, when that career change happened, I was like. We're fine. I've got I've we've got plenty of money to get through a career. And then my daughter fell apart and it's like poof. So yeah. if if we couldn't survive it very well with financial resources until those went dry and then in the hole, what hope is there for someone who who can't spend the money on the best doctors they could find and all that? It's it's really daunting. So it, going it makes back- you question the prioritization of mental health in this country. Yes. Right. Which is a big problem, which is I like why I like talking about this. Uh, so, so you go through this cycle and then you're, and then you're, you have medical help, but your kid's still a mess. Right. So they may be self-harming, which is a epidemic proportions with, yeah. with young girls, especially, you know, cutting and, and all that. And then, you know, then they may take it a lot farther and try to try to kill themselves or make threats. And so you hospitalize them, right? What else? You're just trying to keep them safe. Yeah. And then, and then again, when I'm telling people what's going to happen, here's what happens with a middle school girl, right? A middle schooler, you, you hospitalize them. And so they're in a youth mental health facility. So they're there with, she was 12 or 13 kids up to 18. So you get in, they do group, you know, group every day, obviously several times a day, and now she's clumped with all these kids that have all kinds of mental health problems that you have so much are very exposure to some yeah. of the, yeah, they've got stories of abuse, uh, molestation, drug abuse, some gnarly stuff. Yeah. And we, we had a pretty innocent little middle schooler who was just depressed. And I say just depressed because yeah, it's I, wild. And, and so now she's disassociated because of her quirks and mental health issues, which friends cannot handle. It's too much to handle. And I understand that. And their parents will even pull them away. Like, Oh, that girl's crazy. You can't hang out with her. And so now her new peer group is, are all these kids she meets in the hospital and she did four or five hospital stints. Um, that becomes her peer group. So when they get out, who do they run to? Who's going to accept you when you're, different, yeah. weird, and looking for happiness, the first people to take you in are, 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 are drug and alcohol abusers, right? That's a, it's a welcoming peer group. And so that your kid starts to go, they understand me. You don't understand me. I I'm accepted there. And then the, it's a, it's a quick downward 
downward spiral and it's self-medicating too. Right. Right. Like I don't feel good. And whether that's the initial depression or anxiety or the side effects of the medications, escaping it becomes a, a desire. Right. Right. So you have this, this sweet little innocent kid who was a great athlete and, you know, and just to a rapid, rapid downward spiral. Uh, and then it gets, they're angry and they're, they're uh, belligerent and they, and it was so hard as a parent when, and I understand it better in hindsight after, cause we can talk about it in a civil manner now, you know, cause Raleigh go, yeah, I was fucking crazy then. Right. Um, where they are just so out of sorts. And, and as a parent, it's hard to determine what is the mental health problem and what is the medication side effects or, and what is normal teenage shithead behavior right? and what's acceptable and what's not. And so as a, as a, a parent, when I would, I would hear her, you just cussing out her mother. And at the time it just, it's like, you can say anything to me, but you cannot talk. This is my wife. Right. Yeah. And it just would set me off. And so we would just butt heads and fight, you know, and thank God for her that she was a girl. Cause if, as she got older and it was pretty gnarly up through 17, this is a son. I'd, I honest to God, I'd have probably laid him out. Yeah. I'd have knocked him the F out because yeah. I just couldn't handle talking to mother that way. But, you know, as you, as you learn now and we can talk about it and she talks about it in her podcast, she, she didn't know what she was doing with the side effects and you would see it like you would be in an argument with her. I kid you not. You, I could literally look at her in a fit of rage and her eyes would just turn pitch black. Yeah. Like it was like the devil was inside yeah. of her. And she would probably tell you the devil was inside yeah. of me. And then afterward, the next day she, she would be like, I don't remember the conversation. It's yeah. blackout from, and not from drugs. Or no, anything, just the rage, the rage and the, just um, the, uh, we, we, and it's not, it's not said in a joking way, but it's said in a self-preservation way, I guess, or whatever that like for us with Anderson, like everything's at 150%, right? Like she feels everything, the highs and the lows at 150%. And there's no middle ground. It's like, I'm full on or I'm full off. And there's right. nothing yeah. in between. Yeah. And her full on is way the fuck more on than anybody else is on. And it's like, when she f one day is hopefully figures that out and can channel that and use that mm -hmm. world, watch out, man. Like, right. cause she's gonna, she's gonna rock this freaking world. Um, you know, the way we described what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, I finished that thought. I'm sorry. No, no, I, no, I was just going to say, but in the meantime, world watch the fuck out. Yeah. It's, like... it's the same way with Raleigh. Like she, she has a, a power over people that, that amazes me yeah. sometimes. But even prior to the middle school meltdown, my wife and I would maybe feel this way with Anderson that we described it. It's like having, it's the same feeling of like having a bee in your car. So if a bee is buzzing around in your car, you're on you're edge. Like, and you're yeah. freaking the fuck out. Like what's going to happen? Time. This needs, and I got to get it. It felt like that around her all the time. Yeah. So we, we were just, it's like the bee in the car is what my wife and I described it. As. No, I think that's really good, man, because it's, it's this reality of like, 
And then you, then you start questioning the environment, kind of what I was saying earlier, the environment, the situation, like I hate it to my core, how I can feel the dynamic in our house shift, not for the better. A lot of times, like the second my daughter walks in the door from school, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and it's, it takes everything you have as a parent to control that dynamic, to be like, okay, I gotta be, I gotta, I gotta reach outside of what I'm capable of right now when it comes to patience and like, just letting everything the fuck go and love and like being able to know that like this kid's been at school all day, holding her shit together, which I am beyond Mm -hmm. proud of and impressed with and whatever. So home is safe. So any little thing might set you off because you've been on all day and like, that's okay because we're working on it. But like, I got to be ready for you to be like, for us not to have the right snack that you want. And that can lead into a spiral of like, yeah, every one of you sucks. And now we're in a 90 minute meltdown that ends in you being hysterically apologetic because something happened at school earlier in the day that upset you. And it's just like amplified throughout your mind, the whole, you know what I mean? Like it Mm -hmm. just, it, it just breaks my heart. It's, it it is so sad as a parent to feel like the bees in the car with you. Like it. And I, and I don't mean that in like, I want pity on me way, but it just sucks, man. Like it's just, it's so hard. It's so hard. Yeah. And I get, it's not, it's again, I, we were never looking for pity either. And and I may have said this on, on JT's podcast, but it's, what's really weird is if, if anyone in public can, can look at you with your child and physically see that there's a, a, a some sort of physical disability. Right. Right. Um, you know, or if the kid, if people know the kid has, a, a, you know, leukemia or cancer or right. um, a muscular disorder or something like that. There's a lot of empathy in the world, right? Right. When it's mental health and you're in these awkward situations because your kid is different, people just judge and look at you and they go, those parents, they're not doing, they don't know. What right. Or that kid's doing. a brat. That or, kid's an, yeah, a brat. Yeah, yeah. Total brat. What a little asshole. Like. <laughs> And it's just painful. It's just painful. So then you go into complete isolation. You don't even want to yeah. be in public. Um, that's a brutal, brutal thing. And but if you've been through it, I you know I can identify it now. If I see it in a grocery store with a mom yeah. and a kid, I can go, oh man, and my 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 heart just freaking melts for them. And you know, and you can give that mom or dad a look like. You know, you okay? You know, I understand. You know, I'll tell you a funny story. We do like a summer beach trip every year, you know, as a lot of people do. And, um, but I, I typically I take my kids to the bookstore a couple of days beforehand and we pick out, you know, just some stuff for the trip for the week and the car and whatever. And, um, my little dude was having just, which he usually doesn't, he's usually a pretty like level, like 
for for as extreme as Anderson is, we get like a lot of levelness with Oliver, which is kind of like our we get our yin and our yang from our kids, mm-hmm. which you know is great at times. But um, homeboy had a freaking meltdown over not getting a toy at Barnes and Nobles, which like he's grown up through the pandemic for the most part. Like this is really the first time he's been in a store and been told no over a toy. So right. like we're sitting there, and of course the line's like ten people deep, right? And there's like one person working the cash register. So I'm like, oh, well, shit, here we are. And um, I mean, he's losing it. And Anderson's like just burying her face in her hand, her hand in her face. And it's just like, dad, this is so embarrassing. Like he is just so loud and whiny. And I'm looking at her and all I'm thinking through in my head is like, you have done this <laughs> so many times at such worse levels. Right. Like, really? You're embarrassed by this? This is yeah. the thing that you're sitting here like yeah. uh, about? Come on, yeah. man. Like, but right. it was a good, it was a productive parenting moment of, you know, and I didn't hit her too hard with it there. But when we got in the car, I was like, hey, moving forward when you want something and you decide that you're going to go melt down on it think about this moment think about how you felt watching your brother that's yeah. how we feel it's funny <laughs> you say that because just just the other night my daughter's 19 now and she was out with some friends and i see her the next day I'm like well how was the night and she was like well it was pretty good but this one girl just ruined the whole night she was in the bathroom crying and talking about killing herself and i don't mean to make light of no it, yeah, yeah, but, yeah i'm with you i'm with you but and she would just hijack the whole evening right i didn't say anything but in my right. head i'm like that was you sweetie for a long yeah. time for a yeah. long long time and that's why people scatter right right um and so anyhow it's it but it, i was taking pleasure in the fact that she could see that and what it looked like and what it felt like on the other side. Yeah. And that's as much as I was laughing during that story about Anderson and all, or that, that was what for me, it was great to see that there's just an acknowledgement of that. Right. right? Like that, like, Oh, that's how people feel when that's going on. Like it just, it's okay. Something we're doing is working at least like you may not recognize it in yourself right at this moment, but you can at least like get the like outward looking in perspective of like, yeah. Yeah. here we are. Cause it is hard, man. I mean, I think what you just said is really, um, really important because we we're so quick to judge meltdowns and screams and all this kind of stuff, but you, you just, you never know what people are mm-hmm. going through and it's, you you wouldn't think that way if it were a kid in a or you you don't think that way as somebody's holding a door open longer for somebody in a wheelchair or for right, right. you know somebody sitting at a certain table whatever i mean it just it, we don't we don't we don't worry about accommodations for people with physical or medical disabilities and um, the mental health game so my wife I, I was sharing with you my wife's a pediatric er doc and um in the we've been married for six i should have that quicker six years <laughs> um <laughs> but um in our time we've been together for longer than that but our in our time together knowing how many more of the mental health 
kids they see in their ER on a daily basis that there. they're housing in their ER because there's not room in the mental health institutions because there's right. nowhere for these kids to go. And I'm talking exponential growth in this, not, not like, Oh, well they have like one kid in their unit at a time. Like, no, they, like they just say we don't, their have, we ER. don't have a bed right now is what they'll tell you. We don't have right. a bed to put them in right now. They just redid their ER and made like a mental health, mm. which is wonderful, but like a section for those kids because there's enough of them that they need a space, like a permit, you know, a space to be able to be as they wait for the, the next step. And, yeah. um, it's heart. And Michelle shares with me so often, you know, that it's, it's not parents who don't give a shit about their kids. It's not, it, it's these kids are normal. They come from normal family. Not that other, I, I don't mean for that to sound judgmental or anything like that, no. but like, you know, it's not like these kids are just kids coming from super broken families with parents who don't give a fuck or whatever. Like mm -hmm. it's daughters like yours and mine that have parents that put time and money and effort and energy, like all of this into helping them. Yeah. And sometimes it's still not enough. Yeah. No. And, and you, you end up in the yard ER because you don't know how to keep them safe. Right. That's what it, that's what it boils down to. I, I cannot keep this child safe anymore. We're taking you to the hospital. Um, so we've been there. So um, if you want, I can kind of go back to the story to give people a glimmer of hope. That yeah. Save them some time because. Sorry you know, for pulling at, you off track there. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's all right. No, it's, it's important stuff. And, and, and if I hear the more I hear your story, the more I can, you know, converse on that with, with what we've learned. Um, because I felt like we were flying solo on a lot of it, but uh, and having two parents who are aligned on what to do is a big thing too. But that's yeah. a whole a whole other tangent. Because <laughs> yeah. a lot of times they're not, and uh, this sort of situation can easily lead to divorce um, because you're 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 you know the blame game happens. But so you know Raleigh went from all these sponsors and making money and we were trying to fake it. You try to fake it for a long time. Oh, she's just tired. Oh, she's just, uh, you, you make all these excuses and, and we were just trying to get by and we were, she couldn't function in school or tutoring her, her at home, uh, which was every course cost about what it would cost for a college course, <laughs> right? you know, all through high school for her. And so again, we're going way more in debt, but Hey, we'll do whatever it takes. And, and then she starts going off the rails more, you know, associating with the partiers and feeling accepted there. And at a certain point, she's, well, at 16, let me, before I get to that, at 16, we sent her to a wilderness program. I don't know yeah. if that came up on the other, on that show you heard, but. I can't remember if it did or not. We were desperate. We were desperate. And we sought out a wilderness program so she can unplug and stay safe. And we found one in uh, North Carolina. And the original plan was to go for, uh, I think, 45 days, 30, 45 days. She was there four months. And Whoa. it was, and she was so off the rails and it was a big, you know, she just hated us and, and any kind of authority whatsoever, which is why she couldn't be in school. And uh, and, and anxiety around other kids being in yeah. school was just torture for her. 
So we sent her to a wilderness program and we knew this wasn't going to go over well. So you actually have escorts show up at 5 a.m. <laughs> and big dude and a woman show up. Like intervention wake, style. Like, yeah. We wake her up and we're, we're, and this is all orchestrated. We go, Raleigh, we love you. You mean everything to us. You need some help. These people are taking you to a wilderness program and um, we'll take it from here. We love you. And we walk out and the instructions are for us to get in our car and leave. So there's no negotiation with the kid. These people have her, you know, throw a few things together, which don't really matter. And there's flight booked, put her on a plane. She shows up in North Carolina where they take all your personal possessions and you are issued clothing, a backpack, boots. And she literally lived in the wilderness for four months. Now they do Holy some schooling, shit. some schooling and some, a lot of therapy and stuff at a home base, but they would leave for two or two and a half weeks at a time to go backpack and literally hiking all day with everything you need in your backpack. And you set up camp, you cook dinner, you do group session, you get up in the morning, you cook, you break it down, you pack it up, you hike all day, do it again and again and again. She did this for four months. And the reason she stayed so long is she, she would not crack. Like she was still, the letters were still anger, right? And it was only letters back and forth. Uh, and you couldn't do it very often. I forget what the frequency. I swear was. that would be our daughter. I mean, she is the most bullheaded, stubborn. Again, traits that once learned to channel and use the right yeah. way. Yeah. World watch out. She spent but- her sixteenth birthday and in, in the in the mountains and pouring rain. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and it was it was a it was expensive. And it was a it was a reprieve for us. They keep them safe. They have yeah. procedures where they're never left alone. Even when they go to the bathroom, they have to yell back and forth. And yeah, you know, she was shitting in the woods, and <laughs> and she was the strong athlete, so she had to carry all the pots and pans, <laughs> carrying a, you know like fifty pounds on her back. And uh, and boy, she was mad. Boy, she was so mad. But then uh, in hindsight, she she looks on it fondly. So. Anyhow, she does that. She comes back. She's still angry about it at this point. Now she's happy about it. But then she's off the rails again. She's like, I'm 17. And she's sneaking out at night or sneaking people in at 3 a.m., experimenting with all kinds of drugs. And that's this is where what I talked about earlier. We're like, my wife and I couldn't control it anymore. It would get too violent. And we were like, we're going to lose her. Like she's going to die and we're going to get the call that, that she's OD'd or, you know, something. And, you know, it, since then three, if not four of those kids she was hanging with are now gone, God, which is heavy. Right. And yeah. then, and then here's, here's where the big change was. And I don't think I've ever, I mean, I've told this, this part of it personally, but I don't think publicly, but it's important is, uh, my wife and I are at a breaking point and we're still, you know, individual therapists have since fired my daughter, literally said, I cannot help you. The, our family therapist was still very good. And this was sort of inter- intervention style. 
But she's basically saying, I'm 17 in the state of Texas. I'm legally an adult and I can do whatever I want and fuck you. So we had orchestrated this with the family therapist. Uh, so at this point, she had graduated a year early with all the tutors. Yeah. She's sitting around the house, sleeping all day and partying all night, coming and going at the wee hours. It just sucked. Right. And bringing Loserville around <laughs> and then or going to Loserville. Yeah. And um, so we sat down with the therapist and we, we had this conversation. We said, so, and she's pulling the same thing. I'm 17. I'm a legal adult. You can't tell me what to do. And we said, okay, you're right. You're a legal adult. Um, what's this look like? So here's, here's what it looks like on our side. Uh, hand us your house key. Now, before you panic, you are always welcome here. Your room is your room, but you are now a guest. This coming and going at 2, 3 a.m. is over. Yeah. You, you know, and she's like, well, what, well, what if you're, if you don't answer the phone, you're not coming in. You are a guest at our house. It's over. This, this is this, this, this situation. And then of course she thought, well, I, I have a friend and I can go stay there. They're, they'll take me in. Their parents are cool. So she did that for about two weeks till the parents go, this ain't cool. Right. Where am I going to stay? And she came back home and, and, and she's, you know, the anxiety was still really big. She's sulking for a long time. And then this was the big pivotal moment. And, and this is what can help your listeners if they end up in this situation. I think she finally was like, because she graduated a year early, she's at home. Those friends aren't letting her crash and, you know, uh, uh, um, what do they call it? Couch surf. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And she just, at a certain point, she asked my wife, Aaron, she's like, hey, do we, do we still have this, that blood test I did a while ago with all the food allergies and food sensitivities? This is what's really important. Yeah. And she said at the same time, she goes, I want to dig into that. And she did a big F you to us to the doctors, the therapists, and everyone. She said, I am going off the meds today, cold turkey, which if anyone's been around mental health and, and, and titrating off those things is gnarly. It's, oh, like, it's rough, dude. It's like quitting meth, right? Yeah. And, um, and she's like, I'm doing it. She goes, I'm going to adhere to this food allergy test. And the reason we didn't uh, adhere to it when she did it a few years prior is it is – Dairy-free, gluten-free, yeah. no soy substitutes, no corn, wheat, flour, and even a few fruits and veggies were on there. Make her nauseous. She throws up. And so trying for her to try to eat is based. She will eat fish, and then she objects to eating chicken or red meat, right? Okay. So thank God she will eat fish, right? Some, yeah. That helps when you're trying to get, so it's really fish and, and veggies with, and even a lot of seasonings don't work. She cannot eat in a restaurant or anything like that. So anyhow, she goes cold Turkey on the meds and we were terrified. We're like, she's going to go off the deep end. Right. Yeah. Fair enough, man. And she st stuck to it to the letter. Three months later, three months later from having devil child, who was pretty sure was going to die was the sweetest, most loving, great to have her around, 
And it's, it's still this way that she still lives at home and, and we don't want her to go. Like, it's like, no, right. we're, we're, we're making up. You're for, getting time back. Yeah. That's yeah. seven years of hell. Like I, I love having her around. Yeah. And she is, she has really pulled it together and she started working out and we always go through the same checklist when she's not feeling well, is it diet? Is it sleep? Is it exercise? And then water is one of the things we had. What there's a lot of therapeutic attributes to being in and around yeah. water. Yeah. And so it's diet, sleep, exercise, water. If one of those is out of whack, and yeah, she's a mess. Two are out of whack, it's game three, over. Yeah, game over. So we work on that. And she she started surfing again and working out and took up rock climbing and an indoor gym and going to the gym. And the diet is on point. And she is so strict about what she puts in her body because. She's like, these are the contaminants that, that made right. me a mess. And I think, you know, it's funny. I When I heard your episode with JT and I heard you say that, and you even spoke to, and I, I want to say this as a side tangent, but you spoke to this journey that we as the parents of these kids and that these kids are really anybody who's taking any of these types of meds can go through at times. It's like you get on one medicine and then you're taking another medicine to counteract Mm-hmm. the side effects of that medicine, but now you need another medicine to side to counteract the side effects of that medicine. And then you can't and, sleep. So you're medicating that. And then right. you're a zombie during the and day. So you're medicating that. There is purpose behind some of that. There are people mm-hmm. who need some of those medicines. Like I, yep. I mean, I take Prozac. My life is, I don't take a lot of it. I take it every day, but I take a small dose, but I've been an anxious critter my whole life. And I'm on, Adderall. I, I get it but it was terrible I love, for her. I love my Prozac. It makes yeah. me a better, it unlocks a better Anthony. It makes me a better husband, a better dad, a better son, a better, what? like fine, whatever. Mm-hmm. I have no issue with that, but there's some people who there's other things. And it, I was sharing what you said about your guys' experience with my wife <clears throat> and was saying to her, cause my wife was diagnosed a couple of years ago with celiac. and. Mm-hmm. Um, We've, I think because Anderson's younger than, than Raleigh and kind of where the knowledge has, where the, where the data has gone and what, what everyone has discovered is there's so much linked to the gut, to gut health, mm-hmm. to that microbiome mm-hmm. there and what we eat, what we, you know, and like, I, it's one of the things I've always really wondered about with Anderson. We've never really explored it. Um, but honestly, after listening to, to your conversation with JT, um, we've got to get some blood work done for Anderson because of the medicine she's on anyways to check some stuff. And I I was saying to Michelle, like, why don't we just do some of that anyways, while we're doing it, just, I I would recommend, even if we don't do anything with it, just Mm -hmm. because like, just see, you know, There there could be something she's eating every day that that's messing around. Well, I mean, she could be celiac because her mom yeah. is, you right, know, I mean, right. there's that, that runs in the fan and like, yeah, maybe, maybe that's it. I mean, I, and I'm not, I'm not putting all my eggs in that basket by any means, but mm-hmm. again, it goes to the, there's so much to explore. You mentioned very early on in our conversation, the journey through pregnancy. And I, I'm not going to get into that with my wife and Anderson through their journey. Cause it's just, it's not my story to tell here on this podcast right now, but like knowing that that was a more stressful situation than it needed to be, um, for Michelle and, and for Anderson, um, 
you know, we, we wonder at times the impact that that might've had, and, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it it's, there's so much to the story for all of us, but um, you know, it's, it's, I think the, the big takeaway I have through all of that is it can feel really dark. It can feel really like hopeless and scary and all that at times. And just, I'm so glad that your daughter's doing as well as she is and that you guys are having this time. But I think, you know, as well as I do that, like that could change tomorrow. Right. But you, but you embrace it for what it is. And you can, you know, that you guys have the ability to continue to work through it. So, I mean, I just, I commend you and and your wife, Aaron on um, sharing your guys' story, the way that you guys do and um, working through it the way that you guys have. Cause as you mentioned, like, man, it's not, this is not easy on a relationship. It's not, it is, it's not, it's incredibly hard. We were both tired and on edge and, you got a kid screaming at you. It doesn't really make your day go well. Like every day is difficult. And, you know, it, it, again, just to give people the idea of, you know, the story's not over, you know, it, she's always going to have things to, to tackle. And so will we, but, you know, now we're, God, we're, it's been two and a half or probably approaching three years of it being so mm-hmm. wonderful. And my wife and I still kind of look at each other waiting for, the shit to hit the fan. Again. Yeah, man. It's just because we've been there and we're like, yeah, things are okay. Like, how do I deal with things being okay? And so she, um, just to paint a big picture, she, she doesn't miss competing. She'll do it on occasion uh, and can still get on the podium. She's a freak talent, but she's started coaching. Um, a year and a half ago, almost two years ago and loves it. And she's so good at it. And whenever I'm available, I drive for her. I love doing it. And, and she loves having me there as a driver. Like I was driving for her as a boat driver for a decade. And yeah. And the angry kid was always like, (laughs) like always at my heels. Like this is not right. And so I was like, I'm done with this. Like we'd have these arguments on the water. Sure. Like I'm sure people saw us yelling on Lake Austin. Like what the hell? <laughs> and then, you know, again, now in this new world for her, a, a couple things happen. She's like, I, I really want you to, even if it's with her friends, if she's going out wake surfing with a friend, she's like, I want you to drive because you're better at it than anybody. And I don't like the pressure of driving the boat and being responsible for everybody. And my friends think you're really cool. And like all this stuff has come all the way around to where I was public enemy number one. Yeah. Yeah. And we just would butt heads. We're a lot, we're a lot alike and we would just butt heads like crazy. And it's, it's funny as, uh, um, something I reflect on. Cause I was on, I was on the radio for a long time. I was on radio for three yeah. years, did a morning show. And so we we're always talking about pop culture and you may remember, I mean, this had to be at least 15 years ago, but do you remember when out that voicemail of Alec Baldwin went out about his daughter? Yeah. You know, he, now, and again, they were divorced and it, right. it was, it was gnarly. And he, he, there was this voicemail he left on his daughter's phone that his ex-wife leaked to the media where he's like, you're a disgusting little pig and da, 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 and you unappreciative little shit. And he went off. Yeah. I okay. remember. At, at that time, you know, I didn't have these issues. Right. 
And so you can't comprehend that. You're like, yeah. how could a father ever Speak talk to, to his yeah. daughter this way? Well, you know what? I had conversations that were far more <laughs> gnarly than that voicemail. Uh, and, and it's like, until you get it, until, until you've been there, you cannot judge it. Uh, so the, this is a very, um, this question is probably for me more than it is for anybody listening to this podcast. But so we have this, we, Anderson, uh, at one point in time, was seeing an occupational therapist every week who was coming to our house. And um, very early on, Anderson was in kindergarten. This was in, when she was in kindergarten. Um, our OT taught us this takedown procedure with her mm. of, I mean, like literally physically restraining her Yeah. Um, when she would yeah. get explosive and violent. And it <laughs> is one of the worst things as a father I have ever had to do. And mm -hmm. I've done it a lot and thank God I have not done it in, I don't know, three years, man, but we did a lot yeah. over the course of a couple of years and it was scary for her and it was very aggressive and, um, sucked, it but it was, it there. was the way to keep her safe. It was the yeah. way to keep her from beating her head against the floor or from hurting other people or breaking stuff or, 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 right. And yeah. I've done it on the side of I-75. I've done it in her room. I've done it in our kitchen. I've done it in a, you know, I mean, in the back of a car, I mean, just, and those are some of those things that I think, again, I hear like you sharing those then versus now moments with your daughter and, and my daughter and I have a great relationship and we laugh and we, we love, and we do all this wonderful stuff together. But those are those things, man, that I just, I can't, I'm like, I'm not even making eye contact with you as I'm telling you this story because I just like, that's where it is for me emotionally. Yeah, but like, I just, I, I worry about that stuff in, in 10 years down the road, 15 I, years down the road, you know, like I I'm yeah. scared about, the impact of that and no, as I, purposeful I, as it was at the time, you know, necessary fully, as it was I, at the time. I, I, no, I fully understand. And I've been there and, you know, and, and prior to wake surf, my daughter studied jujitsu. Like she, she could her shit. She, 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 <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> she fucked me up a couple of times. Yeah, man. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. Yeah. And then you have these thoughts and again, reflecting on celebrity life. You remember when, remember when John Voight was on television pleading for Angelina Jolie to, to talk to him. And I'm like, holy, holy shit. I'm going to be this estranged father. This is our only child. Yeah. And we're going to, you know, up through 17, I'm like, we're going to have zero relationship. She's either going to be dead or we have zero relationship. Yeah. Or she ends up in a state hospital because it, yeah. that it bad. looked like it was heading that way because yeah. the, the money dries up eventually. Right. Um, terrifying in that the, the physical part of it. I, I, I hear you, uh, Anthony, cause it's your, it's your little girl. Right. Yeah. And 
you don't know what to do, but you're trying to keep them safe. Right. You know, and, you know, right. we have a daughter that's self-harming, you know, they're, for those who don't know what cutting is, I hope you'd never have to know, but they, they find relief uh, from their mental pain by applying physical pain. You guys have had to go down that road, man. Yeah. And then if you're, if your kid's a cutter, they won't, therapists won't put you in a group um, because it spreads and it's nasty. And so you're, you're, you're physically trying to keep them stay safe. So it, it, by the time she was doing that, the, the, the money was gone. We could not put her in a, in a hospital in an, like a private set. Yeah. Uh, those yeah. are a hundred grand a year and the money was gone, gone, Not gone. there. And uh, so you're physically trying to keep them safe. And then there's that whole combative thing of them slamming a door on you and closing the door. And you yeah. know, what's happening on the other side of the door is not good. Yeah. And so you're physically trying to, I think at one point we even took the door off, you know, yeah. it's like, in there. And then, and then, uh, you know, mom, sleeping with her every night just to make sure she's safe. Um, it's terrifying. It is absolutely terrifying, but, you know, pulling it back to the gut thing that you brought yeah. up. I mean, you know, we both brought up, I, I tell people, you know, cause it really hits, it starts to, it really starts to hit at about the age where your daughter is. Right. And you're going to oh, see thanks. more. <laughs> <laughs> cool, bud. Appreciate it. <laughs> well, she's, well, she's about to go into middle school, right? Yeah. I, listen, I've said it. So we're, <laughs> we're like six or five or six episodes in as, as you and I record this into this next season of the podcast, okay. I've said on multiple of the episodes, how scared shitless I am about middle school. Yeah. What I really mean by that is I'm scared shitless of the combination of middle school and puberty. And yes. I've told my wife multiple times I'm gone for probably the next like five years yeah. and then I'll be back. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take my little dude. We're heading to Mexico. We'll be <laughs> yeah. back in a bit. <laughs> yeah. They, uh, uh, puberty, middle school and mental health is like the perfect storm of shit. You're not supposed to be saying this shit to me, JB. I Come know. on. No, we're no. half bros. Here, here's, here, not- <laughs> I know. here's, here's where I, you know, in, in my Aaron and my wife and I talk about this, it's like, you know, give before you go down this path of all kinds of meds, yeah. you have something that's working for your daughter, but do, do these food allergy sensitivity yeah. tests. And I tell people, give it six months to the letter and, and, and see if you see a difference. Um, it was everything to her. It, I mean, at the time she went cold Turkey on the meds and, and switched the diet we just weren't even sure what's going to happen. If you can give it six months to the letter, stick with it and tell me if you see a difference, you know, the time she went cold turkey, her anxiety was so bad. She could hardly leave the house Yeah, on top of being angry with her parents could right. not leave the house. Uh, six, three months later in her scenario, she was like, yeah, I'm okay. Like I want to reconnect and it takes time to reconnect because everybody yeah, remembers you as the crazy girl. Right. Right. Um, yeah. That takes time to heal. Um, but three months for her. And I tell people, give it six months. It's hard. I don't care how hard the diet is. Give it the time. It is miraculous. And it's so far, uh, Anthony, that and, and Raleigh spearheaded this. I'm not eating that. 
um, when we go to the grocery store, it's a two hour event. Looking at the ingredients on everything and everything. And she, she won't even drink tap water because of the chemicals they use to treat it and the fluoride in it. She carries a Yeti one gallon jug with her everywhere (laughs) and a Yeti cooler with food. She cannot eat in a restaurant. So it's, it's really, it's really tough when you're, when we're traveling, but she carries the food that she needs and the water that's okay for her game changer. It's all a pain in the ass. Believe me, it is all a pain, but it works. And that's what matters right there. So that's the piece that if anybody's sitting here and listening to this and going, ah, fuck that noise, man. Like, you can, everybody can drink tap water, blah, blah, blah. That's hoo yeah. That's voodoo, whatever. Fuck off. Like if that's yeah. your mentality, that's your mentality. But when you find the thing that works, if it works, you invest, you go yeah. because it, it, this, this is the beauty of the human body are everything, right? Like everybody is so fucking different. There are so many things that work for some people and not for others and this, that, and the other. And I don't give a shit what it is. Like, if it's waking up at 5 a.m. and burning sage and doing whatever, like right, I know, right. I know that, um, huh. you know, Lance has talked to, uh, he did one of his forward episodes with Eric Burns. And I think Eric is a crazy human being and like seems like such a wild dude. But like listening to that dude who's super ADHD and talking about his journey and like discovering, you know, getting up in the morning and how running first thing in the morning and how he has his kids do that and this, that, like, Whatever, man, whatever yeah. your thing is that makes that difference, that helps you find that center. Yeah. Go. And you yeah. said this on JT's episode again. We sound like we're just sitting here plugging consequence of habits and whatever. Good for <laughs> JT. Um, hey, he connected us. So there's gratitude. No doubt. But um, again, you and your wife, you and Aaron making this decision to do that diet with Raleigh to like yeah. meet her there and walk hand in hand with her on that journey. Uh, and you're not here on my show for me to give you kudos and props. And I know that, but I just, as somebody who's walked that walk, I give you kudos and props because it's not, it's, that's one of those steps that could have been really easy to be like, well, I'll cook you what you need to cook. And I know your diet's really crazy, but like, well, you know, but like to, to meet her there, like it it shows your dedication. It shows your love. It shows your like, just desire to help and see her to be the person that you guys know she can be like it just it's inspiring man it really is as a as somebody who is on this journey too like it just it really is it's inspiring well thank you and i, and I share that not not to get accolades or anything i'm just like it i ju- it just it it worked i'm adamant about this like get them tested on this it could be something so simple right it changes your whole world and 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 it's funny you mentioned whatever it is it's like you know our habits completely changed as a family we cook at home every night so we can eat real food you know i yeah. was just i go to the restaurant you know all the time and and there and there's all these little things we're constantly study it's never ending and and she's been to shamans she's been to spiritualists she's done reiki she's done like We'll turn over every stone, right? Like, and 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 I'll and I'll share a couple of things that might help people too. That I, you know, my my reading habits are <laughs> a very ADD. I read in the <laughs> that book and then that book and then that book. Yeah, my wife and, gets pissed because I'm always reading like six books at once, and she's yeah, like, "How the too. fuck do you do that?" I'm like, "Don't 
it doesn't work for you, but it works for me. Leave me alone. <laughs> right. It, yeah. Right. It works for me. And this is one that, you know, I talked about water. This is one like, oh, I don't know if you can see that blue mind, blue mind. Yeah. And this is about the healing properties of water for mental health. It's, it's really good. This guy, everyone thought this guy was a California hippie, the wacko forever until he got the research to show that water physically alters your brain chemistry. Right? One of the things that Anderson's OT said very early on because of her sensory stuff, which I think all is equated and related is how important being in the pool was for her, you know, like, cause it, it brings that sense of relaxation. And like, I mean, truly to this day, still like if she's having a really rough day or whatever, it's like, dude, go like take a bath. Yeah. Go be in the shower. I mean, bath would be preferred obviously, but like, just go chill, be in the water, mm -hmm. relax. And when, in, in summertime, when that kid swims mm -hmm. all the time, it's a, it's a She's like happy whole nother ball game, man. Like yeah. it, the water, it, it really is. And it, I mean, a testament to your daughter with wake surfing and yeah. surfing. And obviously like you can see that as you were talking about pushing her into the waves, all I was thinking in my head, was like just that sensory element of like the up, the down, the control, the like, yeah, and you know, what's being crazy? in something that's bigger than you. And like, it just, yeah. it's, it's, it's important. And, and, you know, the book's great. And Anthony, it's like, it doesn't even have to be in the water. You can be, you can be looking at the water. You can put an, a beautiful ocean picture in your child's room. And there's properties to that going for yeah. a walk by a lake. Just it, it's, it's miraculous. And I'll share another one with you. And this is, yeah, this please. is where, this is where my daughter pushed me. She's the one that pushed the diet and the restrictions and all that. And you wouldn't believe how much jug water we go through now, but uh, <laughs> here's another one because she is a big believer in organically medicating mm -hmm. and which is again, when she was 17, I'm like, shut up. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Right. Now yeah. she, now Take these medicines that the doctor said you need to take. <laughs> yeah. Now, now she's 19 and she's been really sweet for uh, uh, two to three years now. And um, <laughs> so I, I I picked up this book because she's really big on um, on psychedelics for mental health. Yeah, the the whole opinion on this is changing. It turns out those wackos from the '60s, like Timothy Leary, were right. Are you going to show me Michael Pollan's book? No, How to Change Your Mind. Oh yeah, you are going to show me Michael Pollan's book. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And so she's telling me this stuff, and I'm like. Okay, I need to learn. I need to understand because she's like, "Dad, you need an acid trip." Like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> no, I don't. About? I have made it this far she's in my like, life. No, I'm good. <laughs> you will, you will have such breakthroughs and be such a better person. I'm telling you, you'll thank me later. And now there's all this, you know, this movement. I don't know how it is where you are, but in Austin, it's like all the adults want to want to microdose and and I've even done uh, psilocybin, which. Which that, does help. That may be due to this this boy in Austin, right? To Aubrey Marcus. I mean, oh, he's, Aubrey, he's yeah. certainly pushed a lot of that. Medicine. Yeah, and Aubrey's <laughs> taking everyone on these ayahuasca trips. And, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, yeah. I haven't met Aubrey, but we have a lot of mutual friends. And, you know, they're making these insane breakthroughs on it. Yeah. And, I, and I, I'm getting to a point where I'm like, 
shit, I think she's right. Maybe I can tap into, we were kind of, you know, brushing over it, but talking about the experience of being born and it being traumatic yeah. and people on these trips yeah. see themselves being born like that. Yeah, it's pretty heavy. Some of the shit's pretty wild. <laughs> and, you know, I'm not a big, like I've smoked my fair share of weed and whatever. I never really experimented far past that just because I have, I'm an anxious ass critter. So like doing anything more than that made me really, <laughs> yeah, I'm really anxious. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, I was listening. I've listened to a couple of podcasts and a couple of things he's done on his on his uh, research with psychedelics and all that. And I'm like, well, I mean, if Michael Pollan is writing about how it's okay, like, I mean, maybe it's okay. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I will not do it. I'm too much of a puss to do it. Like, don't get yeah. me wrong, but <laughs> no, but it's just I, interesting. I mean, it really, and I, I say all that in it really is interesting how much um, merit really is being given into that arena as a therapy um yeah to to help people i mean and again you do what works for you i'm not here to judge i'm here to try to help my daughter work through whatever it is that she's got going on and achieve her potential as a human and right. um because just as much as you know for your daughter i know who's i know who's there for anderson and I know how much she wants that person that's in there to really be the forward facing person. And it's just that internal struggle. Yeah. And, um, I, my goal is to, my job as a parent is to just help her in that, in that journey, you know? Yeah, for sure. And it's, you know, it's wild. Here we are the way we describe on the other side, you know, yeah. it's again, yeah. it's, it's always going to be an issue with mental health. I mean, if it's in great, you know, and I, and I have my own things I've dealt with over time. Uh, it, it's an ongoing thing, but to go from, you know, a few years ago to like, she's going to die. Our daughter's right. going to die. We're going to get the call to now she's coaching and loving it. And her clients love it. And she's making 250 bucks an hour and coaching every day. And she's Is on she the working water. with kids. At all, she works with kids, adults from from See, from beginner to advanced tricks. It's I bet those kids benefit a lot from her. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like I bet there's I bet there's a lot that she's able to give to them. On we were talking before we started recording about my daughter doing little Bellas, and I she had a um this week she had a little bit of a incident, and they called me. Um, to come back and get her early because she was done. She said she was done. Mm. And I got there and I was really impressed with the the chick that runs it here in Knoxville because she was like, hey, the words we were hearing her say, the way she was talking about herself, that was her being anxious. That was her mm. being uncomfortable with what was going on. Like, I get that. We're going to work with her. I don't want you to take her home. I want her to leave with a good experience. We moved her to a different group. We're recalibrating. Like, we're figuring it out. And I was like, shit, that's somebody that gets my kid. Like yeah. that's somebody that's in it for the right reasons to help, to grow, to nurture. And it was such a, I don't care if Anderson ever does little Bellas again mm -hmm. after this year, I will support that program for as long as I live because like of that experience right there, like, yeah, that is cool. You know? So anyways, I, you know when what? you were mentioning your daughter coaching, I was thinking, well, no, man, no, no, I bet no. she's a great coach. 
Anthony, I can, I can, I can add to that something I've learned in hindsight that I wish I knew. Like when, when, you know, our, I'm, I'm older than you. I'm pretty sure of it. I, you'd even say I'm a generation ahead, right? I'm 53, right? So uh, I, I, you got a couple of years on me. I'm 31, but you know, yeah, I, I could be your. Dad. I got, I got gray hair though, so it's fine. <laughs> but um, you know, it's we're such parents, like. Uh, Gen Xers, I, I can't speak on your behalf. Gen X, you're actually a millennial, right? Dude, you're I'm a- I'm a solid <laughs> ten years older than I actually am. So let's just like, <laughs> I was I was born at like age fifteen already. Like I, it's it's a it's a it's been a problem. Technically, you're on a high, you're a high end millennial though, right? Yeah, Mathematic, I don't like right? that. I don't like that I shit. Know. It pisses me off. So I had, I had a feeling that would set you off. That's why I, I you know what this whole episode is now deleted. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> No, so I can speak on the half of Gen Xers. We, we were we were the generation where where it, our parents shoved us out the door and you didn't come home till dark, right? Right. Uh, and then we are, I don't, we weren't quite like the helicopters that were before us, but we're just super involved in everything, right? So what I observe, what what we did, and what I when I see my daughter coaching, is parents, you don't always have to be there. If you have done the research and found a a coach for whatever they do, I don't care if it's rock collecting or chess or football, you trust that coach, get the fuck out the way. Yes. We were always super involved and and now I see it when I, when I, and, and this has to do with Raleigh and her relationship with kids. She puts them at ease. The parents bring the anxiety. So it's funny you say that. So when Anderson started this program and Anderson didn't ask to sign up for this program, we got our new mountain bike for her birthday. And we told her we're, we're signing you up for this program this summer. Um, and I, again, massive, massive kudos to the, to the ladies at little Bella's because it's so much more about riding than riding a bike. It's so much about their mental health, about their confidence, about their leadership, about their value And I love that. I really genuinely love that. But one of the first emails, and you can probably relate to this, that I sent to the, to the head chick there was, Hey, do I need to be like in the parking lot the whole time? Or like, can I bring my bike and go ride? (laughs) Like, because in my experiences throughout the last, however many years with Anderson, I needed to be right there because it was going to fail. There was going to be that point where I needed to be able to be there to remove her from that situation so that. Or they could continue on or Or explain or whatever. Right. And they were like, dude, bring your bike, go ride. Like we're good. We got this shit. So my, my, my buddy, Jim, who's like one of my training partners, we meet every Tuesday and we went to go find these new trails. We had never seen, never been on before. So we're like exploring all over South Knoxville. And I, you know, I'm, it's weird how you get these premonitions as a parent, but like, I'm like, dude, we need to hang closer to the car. Like we just need to be, I don't know why, but we just need to be closer back. Mm. And I get this phone call and it's like, Hey, um, Anderson's done for the day. And, um, you need to come get her. Thanks. Yeah. I'm like, you've had a lot of those calls. I'm sure you have. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we're like busting ass on the bike back there and I get there and I see my kid playing with a water gun with other kids and with a smile on her face and laughing. She's like, Hey dad. And they're like, Hey, 
we got it under control now. Okay. Like we figured it out. Again, like I shared with you a second ago, it was like X, Y, and Z equaled anxiety and this. And like, we want her to leave today with a positive experience. So don't be here. Go do what you're going to do. Yeah. We'll see you at 730. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, I got another hour. Like, I'm going to trust that they got it, which is a hard thing to do. Yeah. Um. So I I still ultimately sat in my car, but my buddy came back and we drank right. a beer in my car in our car. Right. Um, but you know, it's different. It's you know, it was fine. We weren't really there, but we were there. But it's like that was a where I was going with that as you were talking about your daughter coaching, and as I was thinking about that this experience for my daughter. I'm sure your daughter brings so much value to a lot of kids' lives, to a lot of parents' lives, to a lot of people's lives of being able to anybody who's gone through hard shit in their life and is able to mm-hmm. share it. It's, it's a big thing. So again, just like yeah. with you and your wife, but I mean, yeah, I'm sure there's an impact there. No. And if, if, if this is maybe just a, a one, uh, hopefully there's 20 takeaways from this podcast, you know, we've, I would God, say there better be I, at this point, <laughs> if I'm going to host or be on a podcast, I value people's time. So I try to give you yeah. some nuggets, but, um, just being on now being, on the other side where watch I'm watching her coach. I was like, yeah. Oh, good God. We shouldn't have gotten on the boat when she was. Getting coached. <laughs> and we're sitting there taking notes so that, you know, it's like, and I, and I see the dynamics, like the, the kids getting anxious or upset. And I see the parents going, Oh, come on, Sally. You're come on. You're going to be okay. Get back in it. And, and uh, no one's named Sally anymore. That's a really old name, but anyway, <sighs> Not the point. Fucking Gen Xer. <laughs> you know, I, I I kick myself for us being too involved with everything. And and because Raleigh doesn't she doesn't overreact. She sees a kid yeah. in distress and she'll just sit with him. You know, let's just sit on the edge of the boat and just hang for a little bit. You're doing fine. What do you want to do? You enjoying this? You know, just I see her demeanor and or she'll start talking about, do you have any pets? You know, oh, tell me about your dog and turn them around like this. Yeah. But when the, when the parents are there, they're like, time is money. Get your ass out there and get coached. Um, that's a good takeaway. Like do your vetting that, you know, obviously we, sometimes we, we stay close to them because you, you worry about thing, you know, unvetted Life. people, right? Yeah. Do your vetting of a person that has a good reputation and turn them loose. You know, let them have that own relationship and then ask them about it, you know? And, the, you know, and that's, we had a big breakthrough too when, again, I was that guy that would try to write down what the coach says so I right. could tell her as she's practicing and getting ready for nationals or worlds. And, and I'm like, well, you should do this. Did it? I did this for a while. Well, you know, this coach said you should do this, blah, 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 blah. As they said, you should. And I'm, I'm going on and on. And then I had this epiphany that helped um, way back where, of course, once she won Worlds, I was like, she she would ask me, she goes, what do you think I'm doing wrong? And I go, I don't know. <laughs> you're out of my league now. <laughs> like we're, You're the we're pro. Good. <laughs> I'm not a wake surfer. This is not, I never did this. Like. You tell me, like, just look at him and go, I think, you know, you tell me what you should do differently. Yeah. And, and nine times out of 10, they'll go, okay, I know what I should do. 
Um, you know, but even if your kid's not a pro work wake surfer, that's a good piece of advice right there. No. Yeah. They're, they're hearing stuff from their soccer coach, right? Right. What does your soccer coach say? What do you think? Just yeah. ask him, what do you, what do you think you should do instead of going, Oh, you should be doing this. Like my dad was right. always in the stands going, get your hands out of your pockets. It's cold dad, but just, you know, just ask them, just put it out there. What do you think? You know, and it, it, regardless of age, they could be six and it's their first time playing soccer. I, you know, what does your coach say? What do you think? And it goes a long way and it takes that. I, I see it now when parents get on the boat, because I drive for her when I can. Right. Um, we have, she has drivers, but Hey, I make 25 bucks an hour driving for her. She's Hell making yeah, two twenty. She's making two twenty five an hour. I'm making twenty all day. Party on! <laughs> <laughs> but I love I love doing it, and she likes when I drive. But uh, as I observe her, when the parents on the boat, I can just feel the tension. Like it's just, it's heavy. It's really heavy. Well, I mean, kudos to you guys for that perspective on it, because I think that that's a we um. You know, it's funny to me that we send our kids to school and it's like, we just let the teachers do their thing. But when it comes to sports and all that other stuff, we feel like there's this need to be so overly involved and whatever, but I I call um, it, I call it the tiger woods effect. We all saw before we had our children, we all saw, you never saw tiger without his dad right next to him. Right. Right. And so we all kind of wanted that. And then there was. And you saw him on like, what was it? The Mike Douglas show. This is really sounding old. No, but, uh, but you're right. Yeah. And he's putting is like, he's yeah. five. And so there, there became this era of, you got to specialize at a young age, right? It, you got to double down. We're going to get you all the instruction in the world. And this is going to build your life and your career. And we all now know in hindsight, sure. Tiger's the greatest golfer of all time. But he's had his mental health issues too. It's not all rosy. Um, anyhow, I just, I, I think that, and I don't blame it all on Tiger Woods, but it was like this whole generation of specialty, specialized, double down. Yeah. And, I, and I tried like hell, Anthony, to avoid that. And, and I would tell my daughter, I'm like, so when she got into middle school and things were getting bumpy, I felt like a team sport would really help her, right? Right. Have some peers and. I was like, right. yeah, I, all my friends were my track and cross country friends. So, and so I'm like, do you want to play basketball, volleyball? Like you're in seventh grade. No one's great at this. Like you can just do it. And she just looked at me and she goes, dad, I'm not really a team player. Yeah. <laughs> and I just Dude. died laughing and I go, you know what? You might save yourself a lot of difficulty as an adult life, knowing that at age 12. I, I had this grandiose idea when my, when my kid, when Anderson was in fifth grade, me and a couple other buddies who we all have kids the same age. We're like, we're going to, we're an AYSO. We're going to coach our kids soccer team. Right. And it didn't go well, as you can probably imagine the whole team sport thing doesn't go well with kids like ours. And um, (laughs) at one point, Anderson checked a kid into the goal. This is at age five who got past her running to score goals. So there's no goalies in AYSO at age five. Right. I mean, and I'm seeing my kid like body check this kid into the net and I'm thinking, yeah, team sports probably aren't going to be our thing. Moving forward. (laughs) Right. Like we're probably, (laughs) 
Yeah. No, my daughter, gonna stay away my, from the team sport thing. <laughs> my my f- first day of soccer, she storms off the field because she wanted to be goalie. And she's like, what do you mean they don't have goalies? What the hell? Like she was just pissed and she didn't want to do it anymore. And we had the whole, you got to finish the season commitment yeah. discussion. Yeah, we're in the same boat these days. Yeah. Oh Lord. But she wanted nothing to do it. Finish the season. You'll never have to do this again. Yeah. yeah. Classic. Yeah, it is. <laughs> that is one of like, it's the famous parenting line, right? Like you're just going to stick through it. You're going to get through it. And even still, yeah, I'm like, yeah we're, we're going to stick through it and get through it. But <laughs> yeah, we still have those conversations. Like do what you say you're going to do. Commit to it. Don't let people down. Yeah. It's just, uh. So this is going to be an extremely, extremely awkward transition. And I, you've been in this business way longer than I have. So you can judge the shit out of me for it. But I want to, I wanted to ask you about a couple other things that I think are important to talk about since I've got you. Um, the first one is the bikes for kids initiative that you did, mm. um, for, for many years. Um, and, just maybe talk a little bit about, I mean, I know, I know you ride now. I know you've, you've ridden for many a years. You're obviously involved in that community through, you know, the move and, and many other things, but what, what is it about a bike for kids that like yeah. just is so important? Yeah, um, no, I, I, I don't know. I just, I've been curious to, to talk to you about that. Yeah. So we started bikes for kids in, in 96, the first year I started my morning show here. And it, yeah. it, again, that's where I first met Lance. He was right. sick. He was sick then. And it just started the, uh, Lance Armstrong foundation. Right. I reached out, how can I help? And then I launched bikes for kids that year. I had a radio show. I have this great medium. Uh, how, how can I do some good with it? And I was always obsessed with bikes. And I, 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 I had one bike as a kid that I bought at a garage sale for 25 bucks. It was like some beach cruiser or something. And then <laughs> I, I didn't have a bike again until I was 28. And wow. I got, got way into it and started racing and doing all that stuff. So I was always obsessed with them. But uh, so I wanted to do this charity. And, and, and so our, our listeners would not only raise the money, but they would nominate families. So there are a lot of families that are in some kind of program, you know, yeah. you see the tree at the mall and you pull a name off of there. We were like, what about the people that are just kind of slipping through the cracks? Uh, they're not asking for help. Our listeners know them. It might be somebody they work with, you know, single mom or a neighbor or their housekeeper. You, know, you never know. So they would nominate them and raise the money. And then we would do about a, a thousand bikes a year and over 18 years we did two million dollars in bikes um but the originally it was it was it was just about it was something special a kid could have to make their world bigger yeah right and you know and i remember when i had that 25 dollar garage sale bike it's like all of a sudden i could you go freaking anywhere I can get yeah. five miles could have been the edge of the earth. Right. And you could go see like prior to that, your friends were, because again, our parents weren't like us. I'll, I'll drive you to your play date. Right. <laughs> Wherever like, it is, they weren't doing there. that. Yeah. So our, our circle was whoever lived within about five blocks. <laughs> those, that was your social life. And then if you had a bike, it's like, 
oh my God, the freedom. I can go anywhere. It was this independence. It was confidence. And you would wreck it. And, and if you're a Gen Xer, you wanted to be evil Knievel, right? <laughs> that was your hero. So you're building makeshift ramps and jumping off of them and just being a kid. Uh, so it was, a, it was a total, total freedom. And then at during that time from 96 to 2013, 14 or whatever, you know, it even shifted because kids were becoming couch potatoes and gamers. You couldn't get them outside. And parents right. are going, how do I get this kid outside? Uh, so that became a big initiative. So it's, it's the freedom, it's the independence, and it's getting kids outside. You know, they're just, they're, they're becoming, it's just, I'm not going to say they're, I started to say they're becoming this or that. I mean, I actually think these kids are going to be a better generation than us as a whole, but you know, I hope. some of them games is an addiction too. you know, shit. Yeah, it is dude. I it's fight with my kids core. like crazy over iPads <laughs> and that's not even, that's not even a story worth getting into, but no, I mean, I, I think it's really cool, man. I mean, I, I, um, as I think probably a lot of people do, I have so many early memories of a bike um, and how fortunate and, I am, I was growing up and continue to be of, you know, being in a family where we got bikes, you know, you outgrew yeah. one and you just got the next one and it wasn't even a thing, you know, and, um, never thought about it and rode all throughout my neighborhood and the, you know, surrounding neighborhoods with friends and we just did it and, it, you know, but, um, never even a thought process of not having that freedom of not having yeah. that luxury, you know? Yeah. And, um, and then getting it, what, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Sorry. No, and then even as an adult, which is when I really got into it. Yeah. You know, um, you know, that becomes your community and your outlet. Yes. You know, and and I think, you know, I I can I can speak firsthand. Like I bike raced for 15 years. I was not great. I was decent. Yeah. I could go on training rides with Lance if that gives you any perspective. Sure. Right. I was okay. And you know, when my daughter fell apart, I gave all that up. I couldn't Right. you know, it's a, you know, she's on suicide watch. It's like, Hey honey, I'm see you later. I'm going to go. On yeah, I'll see you in four hours. Bye. It's not happening. Right. So, you know, I gave all that up and, and I lost my way personally, you know, physically, mentally, everything. Yeah. And so when, when she started doing better, God, when we started the podcast with Lance, she was still a mess. And I was like, almost 240 pounds. It was ugly. And then when she started doing better, it's like, boom, I'm back on the bike and I feel good. And I'm reconnecting with friends and making new friends that, and I'm not the most social person to be honest. Um, and you just have this, you know, this time, I mean, to go out and even if it's an hour and a half ride, um, which back then I'd be like, Oh, I can only do an hour and a half now. Right. Like, no, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Perspective changes real quick. Yeah. Right? You're like, fuck yeah. I get to shred for 90 minutes. Like let's yeah. roll. Like, <laughs> yeah. Now I'm thrilled to go ride for 90 minutes. Um, and it, but it just, it's peace of mind. It's happiness. It's, it's, it's my getting on the water, uh, yeah. as it is for, you know, that like I was, Raleigh. I was thinking that Tuesday as my buddy Jim and I were riding prior to getting the phone call from from the the little bellas people but we we started in this area called um uh bakers which is this i don't know you guys probably didn't hear about this all the way out there but bell you know like the 
helmet of the bike company mm. bell they did this big grant and um knoxville actually won it so we got this like shit pile of money to make this like badass like downhill like off-roads trail section in knoxville and it's it's awesome like it's really cool oh like real I don't professional trail building is it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah i don't particularly shred downhill really fast because i'm like a roadie little bitch and i don't I like too. that i'm with you <laughs> But I'll ride my mountain bike. Like, don't get me wrong, but I don't want to go downhill really fast, right? I'm, I'm exactly um, the same. Yeah. So, but my buddy Jim and I, we decided to explore to connect like one trail to another and do greenways and roads and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, we didn't get the best workout in. It wasn't the longest ride we've ever done, but we got done. And I was texting him when I got home that night. And I'm like, man, I just, that was super fun just like exploring on the bike today. Like, I loved that and again the privilege the freedom of just getting on a bike and just riding like how cool is that you know it's, it's like it just yeah. so it's cool that you guys and i know lance was involved with it a lot too and um you know i remember it at least in that i think that most recent espn thing that they did on him but like it's it's cool it's cool to give that opportunity to people to give them that um that ability to be free that ability to explore that yeah, ability yeah. To it, just so people know like you know people have strong opinions of lance one way or another and you know our relationship goes way back as i described earlier and and uh the way i've always chosen to live is like i'll just I'll just decide uh, about people on my own personal experience and he's been nothing but kind helped us raise hundreds of thousands of dollars he would yeah. show up every year and sign autographs and then after winning when his time was you know it was super valuable super yeah. he would show up every year and then uh u.s postal would do a training camp in austin in december yeah. when we were doing our heavy fundraising he would have the whole team show up and sign autographs uh went above and beyond to uh make sure that that nonprofit got as big as it can be um so i was always grateful for that so it, interestingly enough along the lines with with your daughter with wake surf and everything you've you've um you also work with operation get out and um mm. super cool like never been tuned into that before until i heard you started speaking about it. i would, would love for you to share a little bit about that because it ties in with the mental health stuff we've talked about yeah. tonight and, and everything it's, else <laughs> yeah so uh you know raleigh was fortunate you know um when she was going through her trouble, um, some sponsors that did stick with her and knew what was going on, uh, her board maker, Blue Surf, her, her Centurion Boats, and her the boat dealer that really manages that sort of boat sponsorship thing is, yeah. is uh, a guy named Steve Present. and Great guy, and he completely understood what she was going through and is stuck with her. Um, and that, that probably helped her get through to the other side. But he and his wife are amazing people, and uh, they're really, really dialed in with uh, military and first responders. Very cool. Um, Cindy lost her best friend as a first responder, um, and and then another close friend of theirs and neighbor. That was their, I'm sorry. That was their close friend and neighbor. Uh, and then they have another acquaintance guy that's with the police force. His wife died in the line of duty. 
And so they've always had this connection. And, and Steve himself, his dad was a, a, a military pilot in the NASA program and died doing, you know, testing on, wow. on that. Right. So it's always been a part of their life. And so they've, they've grew up on Lake Austin and knew that the water made them happy. They've been around boating their whole life. They met high school, maybe for sure college and, and we're in water sports and they know that the water makes them happy. Then you have the guy that, you know, the, or the book that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. That blue mind uh, Wallace Nichols blue mind, which is that one again. And, uh, the principles of that book, uh, spawned them to start operation, get out. And so on operation, get out, we will have these days or sometimes weekends, um, where we'll take, uh, first responders or military or both, or a combination of the two and just take them out for a day or two on the water. Uh, it, it will usually is a combination of stand up paddling and just getting out there. We'll paddle out somewhere and just stop and just lay there and just yeah. sort of stop for a minute, which I'm learning more about this. Military people tend to not do that. Stop. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and then Does that we'll tie take, into your yoga practice as of late, yo, JB. <laughs> oh man, don't get me going on that. Um, and then we'll take them wake surfing either day two or the second half of the day. Yeah, and and it's so fun to to just the challenge of being in the water is great, and then the challenge of trying something new with wake surfing it just takes their mind off of all the other bullshit. Everything. Yeah. And then they get a chance to bond and network with some people. Uh, maybe they're on a boat with somebody they didn't know before. Uh, often, I, I think it's really great when it's people from the same division in the military because they know each other and they get to kind of pull for each other. And and then we have conversations about mental health before we start and after, like at the beginning and the wrap up. Here's why we're here. And at the end, it's like this is what we hoped you get out of it and reach out to us and, and let us know if you need to get on the water. Uh, it's pretty miraculous. And so we do these outings cool. from time to time. And, and then they're, uh, they're adding a new teen element because of uh, my daughter. And we're going to, we're going to figure that out, how we can get some teenagers out again. Like you're desperate. You don't know what to do. And, going to therapies every day is not work. What else can we do? And right. maybe getting out on the water might be something that gives them some, some peace. It's really cool, man. It's yeah. very cool. Yeah. Kudos so to you guys for being a part of that and helping yeah. out with that. Cause yeah, it was those- bikes. It was bikes for kids for a long time. And now, you know, it's like anything mental health is where I'll put my energy now. Yeah. It's awesome, man. It's really awesome. Um, well, I thought about asking you about the because I know I know you guys got the JB squared and and you guys are still touching in on the the Vuelta a little bit weekly, mm-hmm. but um, I don't know that this episode will come out before <laughs> the Vuelta's over at this point. No, but, um, maybe maybe we'll have to do another uh, episode that's more cycling centric. Dude, that uh, the Vuelta <laughs> this year has been fucking nuts. Are you like are you done yeah. after the tour? Like, do no, you watch no, no, anything, no. or you stay tuned no, in? I'm watching the Vuelta. I, it's I've, been I, insane, dude. Yeah, I'm such a, a big fan of Primoz Roglic. He's oh just my an, god, he's an animal. He is a beast of a human being. Yeah. Um, as we yeah. as we uh, record this tonight, it's it was what stage eleven today. Um, 
and Magnus Court from EF one today. I mean, it was a great stage today, but um, it's been a it's been a ridiculously awesome tour. So far in general, this year. well, in general, this this or sport this year, is, excuse me. Yeah, in general, the 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 the, the sport is on fire right now it's yeah. really good there's all these young new names it's shaking up the riding style the days of sky and Enios just coming in and control it are, are gone gone there's these thank young god names that could just, <laughs> they're shaking the shit out of it and it's it's really yeah. great and well and funny. you guys go ahead sorry it, it, no as we as we talk about that on the show and complain about how there was that era of dominance that was uh, still existent when we started this show yeah uh, as we talk about how boring that is, I'm like, uh, Lance, you and Postal kind of, yeah, the you they thing. don't have the, that old blue train guys don't have a lot of room to talk, right? Like, <laughs> they did the same thing, and that's why people were pissed, you know, it was domino. Well, some people were pissed, yeah. On this side of the pond, we were really stoked about it, right? Pretty happy, yeah, <laughs> we were pretty happy about it for sure. Um, no, man, you guys have, uh, and not that you need me to butter your bread on this, but you guys are doing just, I, I. I'm so happy that Vandeveld and and Bob and Horner and all of them are are commentating on the tour, and it's wonderful to hear that. But I fucking love, like, and I and I do in July, man. It's like it is on. I watch it at some point in the morning, in the evenings, or whatever. But I am religious about tuning in to, you know, my season pass with We Do and watching you guys or listening to you guys because it it's just good shit, man. Like it is. I love it. I love, I love what it's doing for the support. I love what it's doing for just the, the premise around it. It's just, it's good. You guys, you guys do a kick-ass job with it. And it's, oh, um, thanks. Our goal, our, our goal and mainly my goal as being part of it was to make it more inclusive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because it's a complicated sport and it's so easy to, it's easy to talk out it talk about it at a very high level that people just don't get. Yes. And people just they don't understand things. Uh, and I'm learning more about it all the time, even though I bike race for like 15 years. The dynamics at this level, you know, why why would Roglic want to give up the leader's jersey on purpose, right? There's a lot of intention to that and reason for stuff like that. Well, take it, it, it even is, even simpler than that. A lot of people don't realize that it actually is a team sport and it yeah. is. Very it much. is one of the most teamest of sports yeah. <laughs> that there is, man. I mean, you can't Lance, Lance isn't who Lance is without George and the rest of the crew. That's, right. I mean, he might've been, but um, you know, there, there's a lot of support there. He's not, he's not, Lance isn't Lance without Johan. I mean, it's, it is that there, there is such a level there of support from well, the, whole, the whole team's there to make sure you conserve energy whenever possible yeah. and stay safe. Well, and even all the way down to your soigneur and your masseur and like, I mean, yeah. it's the, the people cooking food for you. It's, it's great, but it's really cool what you guys are doing for the sport. And I, I, I can't, um, yeah, as a fan of the sport and a, a fan of all things, Lance, George, we do whatever. I mean, it's, it's cool. I, I appreciate, I, I look forward to July every year <laughs> no, <laughs> with, I'm, with hey, the tour I, and with that. It's good. It's good stuff, man. I, I'm grateful. Like I said, when he, he called me about doing the show, I was pushing 240. <laughs> I do and miss it, the Airstream a little bit. I'll be honest with you. Airstream I miss, fun, I miss yeah. the Airstream a little bit. <laughs> you know, and I, and I, as we talk, I was in a pretty dark place. And so that yeah. was really something good for me to, to sink my teeth into 
and and also adhere to the whole forward never straight you know to be to be around that and you know lance's energy and and what he's chosen to over, overcome um I, i've learned a lot from it and i'm like okay yeah i can do this it's been very 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 helpful for me too and then now we've we've done our fifth tour de france which is crazy to think yeah you guys were talking about that this year and i was like I've been listening to this for five years. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, It's been a blip, you know? Um, And so, yeah, now we're looking at the next evolution of it where there's, we need to, to, uh, and want to cover more women's cycling, which is on the rise. And there's going to be a women's tour de France next year, right after the men's, which will be. Uh, Well, and again, I think another wonderful thing that you guys are helping to do with the sport is, uh, I mean, I remember, was it, Correct me if I'm wrong. Was it two years ago? The was it the Tour Colorado or um, what was it that there was the women's race that you guys covered as well as you did the men's race? Um, it may have been Tour of Colorado. It's it's it's. I can't remember. I know it was. I know it was. It was pre-COVID. So whatever year that was, there was a. That, that there was feels a, like a lifetime ago. Doesn't I know, it? doesn't it? <laughs> um, but no, I love I love the support for it. And, um, yeah, it's cool, man. It really, you know, as as dads to daughters, it's you love seeing people who have that platform to build up that equality for women in sport and everything. Yeah, so. and you know, oh god, just in the in the time that I was away from the sport. Uh, just our local race series that mm-hmm. I used to do on Thursday nights. I went back out there after not being around for like seven, eight years. And I was like, first of all, I was like, holy shit, I don't know anybody. Like, <laughs> who, who are who are all these people? And tons of women, yeah. right? Lots of women. When I go on a group ride now, although that, that struggled during COVID, there's a lot of women. They're really, really good cyclists. And, yeah, man. And, you know, back when I was racing, they just clump them in with the cat threes with me. Right. Which isn't, <laughs> isn't a pure women's race. Yeah. So uh, it's good. It's really, yeah. really good. And they're getting good. Cool. All right, brother. Well, let's, uh, let's hit some, some not so rapid, rapid fire questions here. <laughs> and I, I assume because it's you and me after our last, uh, what, almost two hours here that we'll keep it as not so hey, rapid. <laughs> I apologize. I did this for 30 years for four hours a day. So it's, Hey, uh, I, I there is, a, <laughs> you'll, you'll respect this from the professional side of it. When you find people who actually know how to sit here and talk on a mic, it's a much more enjoyable conversation as the, you know, interviewer, which I, I have a hard time calling myself that. <laughs> no, do it. Dude, just own it. I always yeah. tell people just own it. I'm a host. I'm an interview. I'm a writer. I'm a cyclist, whatever it is, a yeah. rock thrower. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good it. at throwing rocks. I'm good just at throwing own rocks. It. Own it. Own it. <laughs> just give yourself the title. Yeah, I got it. As a professional drinker slash podcaster. <laughs> here I go. All right. First question to you, man. What's your drink of choice? Um, I, uh, I've always, I've always been a, a beer lover for sure. And, and, uh, as of late, I've been liking hazy IPAs. Um, I had one when we started. Carbach is makes a hazy IPA. That's out of Houston. But uh, I interviewed Brent Bookwalter the other day. Uh, bef- obviously, that I don't know where that's going to shake out and how these interviews roll when I produce them. But over in Spain, Brent's sitting there talking about hazy IPAs and how you know because he's an Asheville guy. 
um, how he's even in Europe right now and he's seeing the hazies explode. Oh, really? So, yeah, which I was surprised by. Which is funny because, you know, we start to dabble with flavors and different styles, but there's a there's a local beer I just discovered uh, out of Fredericksburg, which is a little a true Mm -hmm. German town just outside of Austin called Alstead. And they do a lager, which I don't normally get lagers. I bought it on a whim. And it's like the the, the uh, true German purity law, three ingredients, which I forget what the word is. It's like uh, something Reinsgebot. It's a really long word. I forgot. But uh, it's so good. And that's like a, a real favorite of mine. But I, I also love really good tequila. Yeah. Well, I mean, love you're in Texas. Te- it's hard to not, right? <laughs> <laughs> I love good tequila and, and, uh, a really clean margarita. We, you know, it's, we, we call them, I mean, I guess it's what you'd call so, a skin, so skinny Rita. T- at a, tell a uh, Tennessee boy what a good clean, what a really good tequila is. So, on me. so again, I'm older than you. And so when we were growing up and having margaritas, it was like this syrupy margarita mix, nasty, just you can feel it on your teeth. So we're talking Lanceritas here is what we're talking yeah. about, right? <laughs> so it, and then, and then, you know, also a lot of people tend to, uh, in high school, you go do tequila shots with a cheap right. ass tequila and you just get yeah. burned on it. You get ruined. So if it's a really good tequila, it's very, very smooth. In fact, people tend to think Blancos are smoother when actually, when you get into the Reposadas and Añejos, right. they're aged longer and they're smoother. So it's it's a real clean tequila and lime and um just some you know like we love Topo Chico here, which right. is our parent Texas. I mean it's Mexico, but it's big in Texas. It's just a sparkling water um and a salt rim if you want it. That's it. That's it. It's really, really clean. And those are when you get into the liquor world, tequila is actually a very clean liquor. Yeah. And then you're talking about sparkling water and lime. And so hey, again, it's, it's a locale option and good tasting. one. Fully admitting to my fanboyness here. When a handful of years ago, Lance posted his Lancerita yeah. recipe. I, uh, my wife and I ran down that train and I was like, this is a really fucking good margarita. Like, you yeah. know, I mean, it's, it's as simple as can be, but it's real fucking good. So I, uh, I'm I'm good with that. So All my right. next question to I know, you, I was going to say, if this is rapid fire, we're going to, it, it dude, up. they're not rapid fire. So just, <laughs> just hang in there with that. My next question to you. And I, I usually ask favorite band, but I I'm inspired to change this question oh, by you. Boy. What are you oh, listening boy. to these days? Good question. So, um, I just on Sunday, I went to the outlaw fest Okay. Here, here in Austin. Yeah. You saw Chris Stapleton, right? Yeah. And it was Stapleton and Bingham and Willie. And it was just freaking amazing. So I, I really like that as of late, I really like uh, the outlaw. Uh, it, and it, th- these are all these artists that are, that are derivatives of Will and Willie, Waylon, Hank and all that. And, and there's always been an energy and, and thirst for that in Texas and it's Texas country and Americana and all that. And so, you know, I'm not real big on, on Nashville country. Uh, Hank sure. is, but, uh, 
you know, so I've been really, really enjoying that. And so, but I, I'm a guy who grew up on, on, uh, uh early eighties post-punk. So okay. I love punk rock to early eighties post-punk. And so I make all these playlists that go up to about where Nirvana started. 91. Okay. <laughs> Nirvana Pearl Jam. That's the end. It starts you with shit about the Nirvana lawsuit oh, in the last God, day or so. Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. For, for those who don't know, the kid on the cover who's nude in the pool underwater and his tiny little baby wiener showing, right, is now suing for trauma. For child pornography. Yeah. And how many years later? Yeah. 30? And, no, but the, the guy, his. There's a history of him recreating that photo and embracing it. And he even has a nevermind tattoo. Oh, come on. Yeah. Yep. 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 Wild. So, you know, I, I, something else is going on where, where the guy must be in some kind of financial yeah. problem and it's a money grab. <clears throat> you know, if I could put my wiener on an album cover that 50 million <laughs> people buy heartbeat. Yeah, I've signed me in up. a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've had this really productive conversation up until this point, and now we've just shit the bed, JV. <laughs> no, but I'm I'm a music geek. You know, you mentioned earlier my music series that was all yeah. about discovery of new artists and giving them a platform. So I'm always it, seeking it, out. Like I have a I have three main playlists now on Spotify, which I can share with you. Yeah, one please J do. One is JB Faves, which I'm always adding and deleting and try to keep it fairly current cool and then there's my retro days which is like 78 to 91 and then there's uh my outlaw one i'm starting to work on nothing would make me happier than you sharing that with me All and right, if you're I'll cool with it we'll put it in the put them in the show notes as well i sure. um i was gonna say to you i we were talking about a, a patchy relay at the start of the show but i remember the first the, when i first discovered them was waiting for the move to start you guys used to play music on oh, youtube yeah, yeah. and that and was my playlist that, <laughs> yeah and katie queen of tennessee was on and i was sitting there with shazam on my iphone next to my computer like literally every song that was coming on was hitting it because i was like this is just fucking good shit going down right now ah. and it reminded me of back when when lance did his comeback tour um this is when he was like real big on the twitter bot him and levi and all them they were putting music up all the time and that was yeah. when i discovered rilo kylie and fleet foxes and pete yorn and all this oh, like, yeah i you're, fucking you're just like i love it and you'll you may appreciate this but um afi gervainen the the mastermind behind bahamas which i'm sure you've heard of his music before but um um, had him on the pod a handful of months ago and, and his producer, Robbie, who used to produce for Rilo Kylie um, back in the day. And like Rilo Kylie is like one of my like all time favorite mm. bands that, that there is. And um, so anyways, I, I love, I'm happy to talk music with you because it's cool. Yeah. yeah I'll you guys me, I'll are in, in it, man. Lance is a music geek too, probably more so than me, but yeah, I'm looking at my faves of some recent ads where, Grizzly Bear, The National, The Audrey's, Chet Faker, Black Pumas out of Austin, which I yeah, man, recommend. they're fantastic. They're fantastic. Uh, yeah, uh, God, Austin's the, just so good from a music scene. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm very jealous. 
the undertones, um, Michael Kiwanaka, and I'll, and I'll give, I'll send that to you and you can do it. Yeah, you please do. Please do. I may yeah. not even share it with everyone. I may just keep it for sure. myself because you know, I like music. <laughs> and we, can, we can be music snobs. So others don't we, know about it. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck everyone else. Um, <laughs> what's uh, next question for you? What What's something that you learned from your daughter? Oh my gosh. Uh, actually, uh, I've, I've learned a lot. I've, um, especially getting through all this. Yeah. Um, boy, she's changed my diet big time, (laughs) big time. Like, I mean, I eat so clean. Like I said, it's a two hour adventure to go to the grocery store. (laughs) She reads every label and then I'll, you know, things can be marketed so well as a healthy option. And then she'll look at the label and be like, dad, this, this is terrible. This is shit. Why are you eating this? Uh, I've, I've learned that. And I've, you know, I've always been, you know, especially being in radio, you learn to be a good listener, which is, you know, that's why we can have such a good natural conversation. Um, but she, you know, she just really taught me to just, as, as a parent, to just stop and try to listen and just, yeah. you know, and she went through some complicated times and it's, it's hard for her to, to convey what she's thinking and feeling. And as a parent, it's easy to just be busy and move past it. And, yes. you know, not it's an overused term, but it's an important one and just being present. And we have the fortune of being able to spend all the time on the boat together. But to be honest, the best times, and I think she would probably say the same thing, is when she goes out and she's practicing and we just go, Lake Austin's a river, right? <laughs> And we go one direction till it's dark. And then, you know, just she likes, she'll sit on the front of the boat and we just sputter down the lake, you know, all the way back, nice and slow. And, you know, and then we just chat or just sit together. Right. Those little moments, right. The quiet moments. Yeah. And that's, that's hard to do uh, because kids get busy. It's like, Oh, activities, extracurricular and homework and, they're doing two or three sports or whatever, whatever they're into. And, um, uh, you know, she taught me to, to stop and hang out. And so, and, and then when you have seven gnarly years, you, you really appreciate it. Absolutely. Man. Um, last rapid fire question to you. What, what trait of yours do you hope that your daughter inherits? Show up on time. <laughs> That felt that felt like it was a little premeditated. It felt like that might have been an issue at times. <laughs> it's an issue every day. It is an issue every day. My wife and I are always on time. And uh and to me it's a respect thing of other yeah, people's time. I'll think although I think I was about 2 minutes late when I logged on with you, but Yeah, you're fine. That's a, that's another story. And so <laughs> he has zero regard for that. It means nothing to her. Like, you know, so I, if I could get her to show up on time, my gosh, that would just change all of our worlds. Uh, that was, that was really fun. I, you know, I've, we've done over a hundred episodes of the show and I, most people don't answer that question very quickly. So I appreciate that. It was like, <laughs> you were like, ready to go, baby. <laughs> oh, it, it could be a lot of other things, but she, like I said, we're a lot alike. So she does have the other qualities that have served me well. Uh, you know, she's, 
the em- empathy is a big one. She's off the charts with that. And, uh, and then, and I do too, which is can make your life painful at times. And I yeah, absolutely, just, you know, drives my wife crazy. Cause I see gray in everything. She's black and white, you know, and I see gray, like, and, and maybe that, I, you know, maybe that could pass on to my daughter a little bit more. I just always go, well, well, what's what's really going on here? What's the situation with that person? That person's an asshole. Well, what what just happened to him? You know, and I always yeah. want to know more about the story, uh, which I think is a good attribute. That's why you're such a good uh, in between between George and Lance for the move, man. <laughs> you know, you gotta you gotta you gotta take all their shit that they know and find the middle ground on it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It does it does help me in that role. It for suits sure. you well. Yeah, it suits yeah. you well. Well, um, JB, tell our, uh, tell our listeners, you know, maybe if you want what's, what's to come with the move, uh, or with, we do at least over the next little bit. And, uh, we talked about a lot on this episode, but as far as like maybe ways to support, um, operation get out or anything you got going on, I mean, take, take a second here and, and let the listeners know what the, what is. Yeah, um, for sure. You know, if if you want to see what we're up to at We Do Team, it's it's it, you know, it, We Do is all about just getting out and 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 suffering is a big keyword. Like, yeah. who likes to get out and suffer? Who wants to go ride in a hundred degree heat for three hours? Well, we do. That's the whole idea yeah. of of the whole thing. Uh, so, We Do dot Team. If you want to keep up with that. Um, and uh gosh we have as the year's winding down we still have worlds to cover perry yeah. bay was rescheduled the big spring Classic. cannot wait for that race liege is still yet to come and then yep. we'll wind down and, and hit the spring classics again uh next year uh operation get out if you felt inclined to donate to it it's uh operation get out.org um you know those those it doesn't need many funds to move the needle for a lot of first responders and military yeah. um, because uh, all of the support or volunteers like me, I show up with my boat, I pay for the gas and I take them out. Uh, but it's looking to grow and do some teen programs and, you know, and then there's expenses feeding everybody when they all come out for a day sure. out on the lake and things like that. I trust me, it's money well spent. Um, so you know, those are the two things that are, that are super important. If you want to, if you want to see my daughter's story or hear it, she's at Raleigh Hager.com H A G E R and Raleigh, like North Carolina. And, um, if you go to the press section, there is on top of that, her four part interview she did for a sports podcast that tells her side. So you heard my side of the mental health story. You should share her side. And if you thought this was heavy or gnarly with the two of us, buckle up. It's heavy and it's powerful. It's very powerful. Well, our listeners know, but I'll have um, everything you just talked about. And of course, your daughter's um, four-part interview there uh, linked in our show notes and uh, on this episode's page at wakededrinkrepeat.com. JB, man, I... I can't thank you enough for your time this evening. Um, this has been, you know, like I told you, I was excited just to talk to you just because you're JB Hager and I just thought it would be cool. And then I, I spent the time and, and got to hear your story through, through JT's episode on consequence of habits. And, you know, I didn't really know what to expect for this conversation. And I, this has been, uh, 
extremely impactful and rewarding and uh, important for me as a dad, which is what the whole goal of the show is, is just for us all to be able to be better tomorrow than we are today. And, you know, even if your kid doesn't struggle, maybe to the extent that your daughter or my daughter does or whatever, there's, there's a lot of takeaways here. Um, and the most important thing I think is it's okay to ask for help. It's okay yeah. to be vulnerable. It's okay to um, reach out to people when you need it. And, um, you know, we're, we're all in this thing of life together. So um, thank you for sharing your story. Thank yeah, you for well, sharing your time, you know, going, going forward, I'm a, I'm a direct line now. Um, it, it, as you go through this with your daughter, um, you just call me because we've been there. And, and I don't know, I think, I think I may have said it earlier. It's like when you go through this and, and, you know, it sounds like you're more proactive earlier than we were, but it's, you're on an Island. And I was lucky yeah. to have my wife on the same page, but we were on an Island for a long time. So yeah, we, uh, you know, you can call me anytime just to shoot the shit or vent, which guys don't do, you know? No, <laughs> no, guys don't we do don't, that. they don't go, they don't. I have, I have two, two radio buddies that I that I call on a regular basis, and one it's a mental health issue, and we and then we just check in. Yeah, you know that's all it takes, and just vent a little bit, and there's the good, the bad, the ugly, but just checking in is a good thing, and, and guys don't do it yeah. uh, often enough, that's for sure. Too much of a stigma with it. Well, man, th- thank you again for for coming on sharing and uh thank you everyone for tuning in this week and listening i know this was a, a longer episode than <laughs> than we normally do but it was it was every bit worth every minute of it and i say that in a very uh, a very positive way but i hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode and uh as always remember to wake dad drink repeat cheers everyone wake dad drink repeat is an independently run podcast that is edited and produced by me anthony palmer i would love to hear your thoughts on the show Give us a follow on social media, subscribe to the podcast, rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, or shoot me an email at todaysdad at wakedaddrinkrepeat.com. Thanks for listening.